Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. You all know about the Kennehans, which would be the bounty on the heads of, say, for instance, Daniel Christie and uh, Christie Jr. Kennehan. It dominates many of the papers this morning, lots of the red tops, and they figure that sooner rather than later, somebody will actually betray them um, for the bounty in return for a 5 million euro bounty, because that's what's on each of their heads. And that kind of a bounty, they say, is too big to be ignored by a cartel or associate or a colleague or a former colleague. That's why you have headlines saying most wanted in the papers today. Another one is saying you can run, but you can't hide, things like that. Meanwhile, if you want to talk about numbers, uh, well, not financial numbers, but I suppose uh, not unconnected to financial numbers, because a lot of it is down to uh, to money. Um, 76,000 people waiting on outpatient lists in Cork alone. It's a story from the Echo. In fact, the Echo breaks it down then, hospital by hospital by hospital. It's much higher than that when you look at the entire South and Southwest region of the country, which would be us and, and Kerry, I guess, and West Cork. Could be as high as 148,000 people waiting for inpatient or day case treatments, out, outpatient appointments, uh, and, you know, scopes and different oscopies, if you like. But they do break it down into, uh, say, Cork City, where there's uh, nearly 11,000 people uh, waiting um, for appointments at the CUH, nearly 3,000 at the Mercy, nearly 7,500 at the South Infirmary, um, and then smaller numbers in Mallow and Bantry, but it all adds up to big, big numbers. In fact, uh, one other story related to hospitals was before Judge Olin Kelleher's court yesterday, where he had a suspended sentence. He imposed a two-month suspended sentence uh, on a character for threatening behaviour at the at the hospital and a 100 euro fine for being drunk and disorderly, stuff like that. It's a fellow whose uh, address, uh, sadly, was the Cork Simon community, a 27-year-old lad. Uh, he, um, uh, the, actually, the judge said it just can't go on, the amount of public order disturbances at hospitals, particularly the mercy. And I was talking last week about the video footage of four people literally attacking uh, the door and kicking the door and roaring and screaming and throwing punches at staff outside. It was all captured by a mobile phone by somebody across the road. But the judge said in court that staff at the hospital were getting a terrible time from people causing drunken disturbances. Germain was sentenced anyway and the guards said that he was shouting and roaring. He was drunk. Uh, he was aggressive to staff. He was hitting windows in the hospital. He was kicking them with his legs and his head. He was aggressive to guard. He told the guards to F off when they came along apparently. Uh, so um, that was before Olin Callagher's court yesterday. He's fed up of it. Uh, Down West is an interesting one. Here's an interesting twist and a very intelligent thing for a judge to do, I believe. In Judge James McNulty's court, he had the whiskey producers, West Cork Distillers. They admitted polluting a Cork River. Uh, denied responsibility, though, for the death of over 2,000 fish. Uh, he, he had them in court yesterday. Okay, so they admitted liability, which was a good thing. Um, but he said that um, that the sentence would be €26,000 to be distributed between all the region's tidy towns. I mean, it's a novel idea and will be put to good use. So the company was told by the judge that he'd adjourn penalty on three counts of pollution until the back end of April if €1,000 was presented to each of the 26 
tidy town branches in West Cork. I mean, I think that's that's clever thinking. That's putting the money to good use. And I think, you know, everybody will benefit from it. Don't know about the 2,000 fish. Uh, a lot of stuff then to do with uh, fuel and, and VAT. It's all very well if there's a VAT reduction on, say, gas and electric, but not on home heating oil or not on people who burn uh, coal or turf or, you know, blocks or briquettes or whatever. So pensioners living in rural areas are the ones that are going to be hammered now because even though it's a tiny little reduction in VAT and won't mean much in your pocket, it, it will not help those who heat their home with home heating oil. So the carbon tax blow for pensioners. It's very interesting because I was just Googling about uh, carbon emissions uh, last night uh, and I came across the fact that we need reminding that farm animals right across the European Union, farm animals, and I'm talking about cows, pigs and other farm livestock, but primarily cows, produce more emissions than cars and vans combined. Uh, Methane gas, what comes out of the rear end of a cow, uh, particularly more emissions um, and more climate warming and more greenhouse gases every year than all of the European Union's cars and vans put together. I wonder what you guys make of that. Text 0868104106, particularly as you're heading for a flight, I suppose. I don't know how many of you are heading to Dublin Airport don't know if anybody's listening to me now with pods on in Dublin Airport in a long queue. I'd love to chat with you. Uh, bang me off a text to 0868104106. How bad is it? But travellers flying through Dublin Airport Easter, and we're in Easter now. You know, it's kind of like an Easter fortnight, really, when you think of it, isn't it? Because many families go overseas. But they're being told, don't arrive too early. Because the too early is making it even worse, apparently. People panic, though, and they think, I can avoid the chaos by arriving five or six hours before the flight, flight. but they're saying it doesn't matter. That's actually making it worse. But they're, you know, they're stressed and they're uh, dealing with, you know, worry that they might miss the flight. They're anxious, I suppose. A bit like mums. There's research out this morning saying uh, that over half of mums are experiencing burnout, dealing with increased stress and anxiety levels. I don't know if they go through the roof during midterm when you're thinking, what in the name of God am I supposed to do with my tribe uh, for two weeks? then back for five or six and off for the summer holidays. It's a tough gig, but many of them they then say, like nearly three quarters of them, more than three quarters, feel that their work they do is not seen um, and isn't appreciated. Uh, and in other, in other areas of uh, people's age and considerations, look at all of the young uh, people in the age group, 18 to 35. According to the Mirror this morning, half of young employees in that age group are considering quitting their jobs and bailing out. Uh, apparently, Tourism Australia uh, did the um, the research, commissioned the research, and it turns out that half people, half of the people that were actually interviewed are contemplating, okay, quitting their job one, but where do they want to go or where do they think of going? Australia. And I suppose if you listen to any of the radio news or television news or pick up a newspaper or whatever, it's all reasons to leave, isn't it? Not necessarily just rent or house prices or wages being paid or minimum wage or minimums, you know, uh, living wage. Uh, but it's also job prospects and bills and everything else that comes with, you know, the, the tough gig living in Ireland these days. And, you know, one would think that maybe a young person should be spreading their wings for a period of time. Anyway, you know, the homophobic attacks that are becoming all too um, uh, I suppose all too often uh, reported these days. Uh, the latest one now is the young man who was assaulted, uh, suspected of a hate crime at the weekend. Oliver Callan has said that um, uh, he wouldn't hold hands with his partner in public for fear of being targeted by homophobic thugs. So that's an interesting one from the star. In fact, the tarnish that makes the papers, you know, abuse on the streets now um, of politicians has become very prevalent. And he says that 
Uh, a week wouldn't go by, he says, uh, when he wouldn't be verbally abused on the street. Now, there's recently video of the Fine Gael leader out running. As they say, it's gone viral uh, and widely condemned online because he's jogging along the quays in Dublin, apparently, when some guy in a vehicle uh, roars down the window and starts roaring abuse at him. Um, he starts calling him the P word. He starts calling him the F word. Um, Varadkar replied by telling the two men in the vehicle to have a good day. But he says a week wouldn't go by when that kind of thing happens. Other politi- political stories involving politicians, of course, over the water or in the UK, because you have both Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak have been fined for partying during lockdown. So a tremendous amount of pressure in the UK for both of them to resign. Both of them have said they won't and they're, they're refusing to quit. And uh, if we had a Teflon Taoiseach in the shape of Bertie O'Hearn, or maybe even our current Taoiseach, I don't know. Certainly they've got their own Teflon Prime Minister over there because he seems to have survived everything, doesn't he? Will Johnny Depp survive the libel trial? Well, that has kicked off and uh, in court there's himself and his ex-wife Amber Heard because he's suing her over an article that she wrote while not naming him in the Washington Post article that she wrote about domestic abuse and violence. Um, it, it was clear to all as to who she was talking about when she said that she was in a domestic relationship for a long, long time that was violent. So Johnny Depp, um, and that story makes the papers today in quite some detail. There are other ones then, lots to do with Easter. Um, there's an Easter egg on sale, apparently. It's Ireland's most expensive. Would you shell out 70 euro for an Easter egg? I mean, would you know the difference in a blind tasting? Well, apparently there's a 70 euro Easter egg inside in Brown Thomas. And I was mentioning packaging and waste and cardboard yesterday. And I was saying a lot of it would be driven with regards to, um, you know, uh, recycling waste. And uh, recycling is good. But if it was never produced in the first place, it would never need to be recycled. But they're saying that the amount of Easter egg waste, packaging for Easter eggs, boxes and plastic and everything that goes with it, tinfoil or whatever, the tin that covers the... uh, you know, the, the actual egg itself. 50,000 tonnes of it, apparently, are expected to be recycled this Easter. So if you looked at all of the packaging for Easter eggs in Ireland, 58,000 tonnes of it, it would fill the Aviva Stadium three and a half times. I mean, isn't that absolutely insane? I really think it is. There's a lot of other colour stories across the papers, which I'll come back to across the morning. But uh, there's a piece of audio now that's circulating, and this is the Northern Ireland manager, Kenny Shields. Uh, and apparently uh, he's come in for an awful lot of grief over this. And uh, I did read in one of the papers this morning uh, that um, uh, the FAI and the FA and different sporting and soccer organizations have been asked for comment because he said that women are more emotional than men, uh, and that's why they give away more goals. That's my understanding of it. Right through the whole lot, the whole spectrum of the women's game, because girls and women are more emotional than men, so they take a goal gun in, they they don't take that very well. So if you watch, you go through the stats, which journalists love to do, going through stats, and you'll see teams conceding goals in 18 and 21 minutes and then in 64 and 68 minutes they group them because that's an emotional goal Mm. they're liable to let in a second goal faster because they find it more difficult to get over the first goal because they're more emotional maybe it's because they just hate giving away goals maybe they just don't like giving away goals maybe they hate giving away goals more than the men Maybe they take it more seriously than the men. I don't know. Some might say he's a brave man to make comments like that, but others are saying, oh man, you can't be talking like that. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone. Back after the break. Call 
the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. We were chatting yesterday on air and I saw the text come in about it. I was wondering what in the name of God will people do for the fortnight with the kids in the home? It was one of those remarks. Earlier today you were talking about the number of holidays that teachers take every year. Well, I was actually more talking about how will people fill the two weeks, you know, and you know stuff to do you know, over the Easter break and what have you. Anyway, the text said, my kids are currently on Easter holidays and won't be back until the 25th of April. Then in another six weeks' time, they're off for the summer. I looked it up and teachers only work 33 weeks a year. That's 19 weeks off on holidays. Is this what our education system is paying for? So big response to that because we actually ended up posting that uh, on Facebook because it was curious as to what other parents might think uh, and amongst them, Louise. But first up, Stacey, good morning. Hi. Thanks, thanks for holding. So, um, you, you believe that people are narrow-minded with a view like that, that teachers have too many holidays. Is that what you're saying? It, <clears throat> sorry. Not everybody is like that. I mean, I work as a teacher and have a lot of parents who are very appreciative of what I do, but then you have some parents who just are very arrogant to the actual job of what being a teacher is. Yeah. Um, but are the holidays too long? No. No, I mean, I spend quite a lot of my time during the holidays in school preparing lessons, uh, making plans for visitors to come in through the year because you have to book them in advance, um, making sure I've got my risk assessments ready if I want to go out on trips, booking trips, uh, making sure um, I've got my resources ready, my laminating's done. You know, there is an endless list. You know, you've got displays as well that you need to put up. It's it's not, you know, teaching, being a teacher does not just stay in term time. It's all the way through the year. And then, you know, I might take a few days off and spend it with my family, but I do work during my holidays to make sure I can give the best to the kids that I teach. Okay, okay, fair play to you. Do you teach in Ireland? No, I don't teach in Ireland. Um, I'm actually a teacher in a school in the Isle of Man. The Isle of Man. Okay, so that would be um, a different jurisdiction, probably with shorter holidays than Ireland. Would that be the case, do you think? Um, I don't know, because I'm not too sure what holidays you have in Ireland, but I work in a private school. Okay, well, here's what it would kind of shape up like. Uh, Secondary school, three months off in the summer. Um, Yeah, three weeks off at Christmas, uh, two weeks Mm -hmm. off at Easter, two midterm breaks, um, and and obviously bank holidays, which they're which they're all entitled to. Um, The number of weeks of instruction, say for instance, um, in a second level school in Ireland, is thirty three weeks where they're actually in class. In England and Scotland, it's thirty eight. In Germany, Australia. The Netherlands, 40, and in Denmark, 42. So in Ireland, it is quite low, even by comparison to the UK. 33 is against 38 weeks in the UK. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, Are you off now for two weeks? um, Well, actually, I am in today because the nursery that is attached to my school are short-staffed because of COVID. So um, I've had to come in and help out this morning. But, oh, would the know, schools be closed for two weeks there now? Um, this, yeah, the schools are closed for two weeks, okay. yes. And in the summer, but, um, how long are the holidays? So my school, because it's private, we have nine weeks off. But we do work a longer day than state schools do on the Isle of Man. Okay, so 
It would be different in a private school as opposed to a state school. It would be, but it's also quite dependent on the private school because they ha- we have got the freedom to um, not make our own rules, but you know, make sure that we give the children exactly what they need. And sometimes children need a break as well. Okay. And why do, you, why do you think somebody that might ask or pose a question on the lines of uh, a teachers work only 33 weeks a year and they have 19 weeks holidays? Why do you say that's insulting to teachers if, if they're accurate figures? Well, they're not accurate, are they? Because teachers don't just work during term time. They are working during their holidays as well. They are in school. They are coming in. They are making their lesson plans. You know, I've said all of this already. But so not, dur- not, not during a very long summer break, like the schools are probably locked up. There'd be no teachers in no, there. No, no, no. I've got a key. I can come in whenever I want to. I can come in whenever I want to. Because when the school term starts, it's exceptionally busy for teachers. You know, you're on a treadmill going 100 miles an hour sometimes. And it's very tiring, especially if you've got a young family at home, which I have. It's very, very tricky. So if you can get as much work done as you can during those holidays, it kind of lessens the load when you are there in term time and even before I had my family and I was a young teacher I would be in school a lot of the time making sure that my work that I gave to the children was the best that I could give them and it is insulting because I work very very hard I work very very hard for the kids for my school and for somebody to make comments like that which are just very you know that it's not fair and you know maybe they don't realize the work that not just me, I'm talking teachers, you know, everywhere. We put in so much work and it's just, it just infuriates me that people can just be so arrogant and, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not fair. Okay, let me get some more yeah. calls on. I appreciate your contribution, Stacey. By text, can you imagine looking after approximately 28 or more kids on your own every day and then also being responsible for their education and well-being? Throw in any extra needs some kids may have. Uh, They need that rest in between terms, the teachers, because I know I need it. Think about how much the parents look forward to the kids actually going back to school at the end of summer, because I'd imagine that's the way they feel by the end of term, as in the teachers looking forward to the break. There's a big difference between saying school holidays are too long for my child versus teachers get too many holidays. Ireland has some of the longest school holidays in Europe. I agree that a long break can be challenging for children who struggle in school, but teachers have nothing to do with deciding how long their holiday should be. Teachers work insanely long hours during the term time, and many work second jobs during the summer break to make up for what? They're low earnings. If you want a longer school year, take it up with the Department of Education uh, and lobby for better working conditions for teachers while you're at it. Uh, thank you for that text. There are many of them. Louise, good morning. Louise, can you hear me all right? Yes, I can. They, they are. Go ahead. Are you a teacher? I am, yes. Okay, okay. What do you make of it? Um, well, I find that comment extremely insulting as well um, for the very simple reason that I think people look at it from the wrong perspective. Anytime this discussion comes up, they take it as the teachers get too much time off. They don't ask the teacher's opinion on it. Like, I could easily say I would love if the school year was longer because it would actually give me more time to focus on the students' learning and not be preparing them for exams at the end of the year. Is it primary or secondary you do? Secondary school. Okay, quite challenging then. the, the, The curriculum has gone so difficult for the students. Like, I teach Irish and 
they have made it very, very difficult for students who are from English-speaking schools to get the, the course done in time. And like, I would love for the school year to be longer. Like, I don't ask for the holidays that we get. I am set out by the Department of Education to say, well, you work these hours. These are the weeks that schools are available. But you're, but you're saying to me holidays. as a secondary school teacher, you're actually teaching 21 hours and 20 minutes a week. Yes. Okay. And are you saying that, that there's an awful lot more hours added to that in prep, is it? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, what like would, so what would be added? Maybe 10, 15, 15, is it? Extra. 12 to 15 hours a week. Yeah, like last week there, I did a full seven hours on a Saturday of correcting um, essays, correcting homework um, that I don't have time to do during the week, um, in prepping notes, in analysing the literature, in trying to make things as simple as possible. You've got students who don't understand the language. And that's not on them. Like, you know, people are, some people are for languages, some are science, some are maths. But it's my job to make it as easy as possible. So I'm constantly doing extra work on top of just going in and opening a book. I know, but that extra work then only just brings you up to, say, 37 hours a week, which people in the private sector do anyway, with much less holidays than you. And they get paid for it. (laughs) I don't. All that time comes out of my week. But no, like that, that, 15, that twelve to fifteen hours is time out of my my own time. Like I mean, I do extracurricular at school, any staff meeting or substitution I do in school to help out with COVID, I'm not paid for that either. Like it's not just straightforward. You go in, you work your twenty one hours twenty minutes, and that's it in the week. Mm. I do nothing else. I mean, you've got students that come to you with mental health issues. They come to you about issues that they've got at home. I mean, that just doesn't go away when you walk out the door and the final bell rings today. Like, I come home and I worry about these students. I worry, is that student going to be sitting in front of me the following day? Yeah, there's a lot of other aspects to it. There's a lot more to it than just, you know, it's not as simple as going in, opening the book, teaching, and that's it, done. You you know, you have the life of Riley all the rest of the time. But in the UK, for instance, in the summertime, state schools get six weeks break uh, at, at summertime. I think it's the end of July until the first week in September. Secondary schools in Ireland would be all of June, all of July and all of August. It's a huge disparity there, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. And I can't say that I agree with having so much time off. And I think that's the perception that annoys me is that like a teacher's opinion is never like asked for in this. Like I'm not asking for the three months off. I would love to have an extra month of school that I could take things slower for the students that they would have more time to cover the curriculum yeah and what do teachers generally do in those three months off well I mean I know for me now I'm scrambling to find a job for those three months because I'm not paid so I'm like getting work in the grail duct I'm trying to see can I extend that but you still but you do you get a paycheck in those months off though I don't you don't you're not, not, you're not full-time, no? Oh, okay. No. You're a contract teacher, so you're only paid only for paid term for time. Okay. Yes. So what about the other teachers who are lucky enough to be full-time? What would they do across the summer? I have no idea. Probably spend time maybe with their kids. Well, I mean, I know there's loads of prep time. I mean, you have so many hours to submit as professional development. Um, like, all the teachers that I work with work extremely hard at their jobs. You know, we, we like, our school is extremely high achieving. We've had all Ireland champions in football and everything, like, in basketball, in camogie. Like, there's a lot that goes into teaching that it just doesn't go from September to June, like, to May. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, there's the, there's the correcting of exams. Like, the money for that is astounding. But it has to be done, and teachers are needed for that. And the work that goes into that is substantial. And then people still will come on and correct. 
criticise teachers for doing that. That's not good enough either. No, I mean, you give a good insight as to the working day and a lot of it has to do with uh, social aspects or developmental issues with some children or their own home setting that you guys have to you know, deal with on a daily basis. They're critical of the holiday periods, the length of them, you know, the amount the of time like, off, Easter, like to midterms, Christmas, love summer. Their kids at school. They love their kids at school because they get a break. You know, they get a break from their kids. But do they realise how much that the teachers have to make up for because, you know, some parents actually don't train their kids very well. Like So, so the, as in you say in your text that... ...of certain, of certain students is astounding. And that they what do you mean, by, what do you mean by that, they don't train their children very well? Well, like, as in basic manners. Like, a lot of parents actually don't teach their kids that because the rudeness and the way that you were spoken to by some students, that's not picked up off the ground. That comes from somewhere. And is that is, is that mean, a problem, do you think, the way... The, yeah, yeah. It's our job as a teacher to get them ready for working life. You know, it's to get them from point A of the end... Well, my job anyway, point A at the end of primary school to point B, the start of college or their working life, whichever they choose. And, I mean, you go into a job and you go up to your manager and you're like, well, I don't care. Like, you're not going to last very long in the job. So it's a teacher's job then to say, look, come here, that behaviour is not, not acceptable. But so do, do, teachers, do, teachers have to do teachers have to call out on students with regards to their behaviour or their attitude or how they well, speak? Well, you let, I'll, I'll put it this way to you, you let you, 27 students sitting in front of you, you let one student talk to you disrespectfully. All 26 others are going to see that as an open invitation. Yeah, yeah. But do you not, do you not worry that there might be a visit from the parents or a complaint from the parents to the principal oh, or all the time. board of education or something? All the time. But I mean, that's the thing. Parents are so critical of everything that the teacher does. You know, so like I call out your student because your, your child because they don't have their homework done. You know, they haven't given me a reason as to why their homework isn't done. I haven't been contacted by a parent to say, you know, student X is going through A, B and C at home and you know there's genuine reasons well you have to treat all the students you know equally and there are rules in the school and the rules of the school state that you know homework must be completed, it must be handed up, it must be present in class etc. You have a protocol to follow as a teacher but the parents have an issue with that. Irish teachers okay but again this this was about time off and holidays primarily and nobody has yet mentioned salaries for instance there was a report out last year that said uh, when you look at Irish teachers pay the average gross salary for a secondary teacher is 61 and a half thousand euro well I would never get that and the the average gross salary for a primary teacher is 59 thousand euro well, that will also all depend on when you graduate. Okay. Because I know that me coming in after 2011, I'm not entitled to any other teacher that has the same qualification as me. I'm on less than what they are. Okay. Much less? A good bit less, yeah. Okay. But what do you make of the average teacher, secondary teacher, on 61,500 with all of those holidays? I can't comment, to be honest, because, I mean, I'm one year into teaching. Yeah. And like, I just don't feel like I wouldn't comment on anybody else's job and the amount of holidays that they get or their pay on it because okay. I just think you need to take a walk in their shoes. Okay. Like just to understand 
the full picture before you come on with those kind of comments. Okay, and, and, the and it's okay. A department, it's a department issue. You don't set the holidays, walk in our shoes to see how difficult it is. I'm getting a sense actually how difficult it can be with 26, 28 different personalities, different issues in their lives, different attitudes different home settings. I'm understanding that in fairness. Can I just ask you, did you go into it for the love of teaching or did you go into it for the love of a good wage or what was what was the reason? I go into it because I love my my students and when I was in school I had a particularly bad few years and the teachers that were there gave me so much care and such a safe space that I want to create that for the teenagers that we have now. Okay, thank you for taking the call. Appreciate it. Kids seem, to, kids seem to be off a lot. If you count the actual school days in one year, I'd say it would be unreal. Now, I wouldn't be a teacher for all the money or tea in China. They do need time off, but in saying that, they have a lot of it. Uh, having been in a relationship with someone who was training to be a teacher and then became a teacher, no. The teachers you're talking about spend a lot of their time out of school planning lessons for the children that they teach, even during holiday time. Many teachers are working to help your kids to learn. And just one or two more. Yes, there are too many holidays. They should work longer days. Teachers are quite entitled to their holidays, Neil. They have to teach 20-odd kids a day for seven hours. Then they go home, prepare their work for the class the next day, which could take another few hours. They work very hard and deserve every penny they earn. Uh, How quickly the COVID gratitude for teachers turns its tide. The most important educators in a child's life are a loving set of good parents uh, and a good teacher. Yeah, I've never met a teacher I liked or who was nice to me. They get paid way too much. Well, there's a fairly broad sweeping statement. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Hold on there, Sinead. Talk to you in a second. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Just a quick one. Janice texted. She's an SNA at a primary school. She says primary education is 36 weeks per year, not 33. I didn't say 33. Let me just correct it again, Janice. It's um, 33 weeks a year for second level teachers is actually 30. Uh, let me work this. 37 weeks a year teaching in Ireland in primary. 37 weeks in primary. 33 in secondary, by all accounts. Sinead, good morning. Hi, Neil. Thanks, thanks for holding. You're not a teacher, but your sister is. Is that right? Yeah, I'm a social care worker, so I also work with teenagers. Um, but my sister is a teacher, and I'd work really closely with teachers, with the kids. I, I would have. imagine you would, yeah. I'll come back to that in a moment. But talk to me about your teacher, your teaching sister. Um, does she uh, work long hours? Does she work through the Easter holidays? Does she work through three months at summertime and things like that? Yeah, so like she'd come home from school and she'd be correcting tests. She'd be doing her uh, planning for t- the day after. But then uh, as well, since COVID, they have teams. So she'd get texts emails from the, the kids being like I can't do this miss and she'd sit down she's a math teacher she'd do out the problem send it on to them no issues about it but that's because she has like she she gets her holidays she can have her break oh okay so teachers now in secondary school can be contacted outside of school time by students who have problems with tasks that they're doing um, it depends on the school like some schools wouldn't have teams but school season does so oh, that's a that's a bit of a hefty workload isn't it that could happen at any time of the day or night could it yeah and teachers aren't obligated to reply to them like it obviously depends on the teacher but 
most of them would if they knew the child was struggling and knew they worked hard in school and stuff. Okay, okay, okay. So she's either correcting tests, making plans for the next day, or getting texts from students who are struggling. Yeah. Okay. But what about the long holidays? What of it? Like, it's mostly for the students. Like, can you imagine being a teenager? You got your holidays. Like, you get tired. So, what are the teachers meant to do? Do Like, oh, okay. But when we compare it with the UK or Germany or Denmark or other European countries, their holidays are dramatically less than ours. That's the thing. It's the layout of the education system as well. Like, their tests would also be different. Their approach to education would also be different. Some some of those schools would have shorter days. Mm, but was it, is so it you right? you can't just compare the holidays. You also have to look at their framework, their everything like it all comes into play yeah I was reading that our school holidays in the summertime particularly in secondary school which could be the end of May until the start of September it's a very long time that they were originally designed when children would be required to work on farms in the summer um, and that's still the case but well, apparently it was very much I know I know that in my own case in, in, in secondary school that I went to school with a lot of other boys and girls who actually were from farming backgrounds and did spend the summer working on the farm, saving the hay and stuff yeah. like that. But those days are very much gone now. Um, I don't know, because when I was in school, which was only four years ago, there was kids in my year who would spend their summers out bailing or laying down the hay or whatever, like they're helping out their parents the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, would it be too much to pry as to what your sister does for the long summer break? Um, a, lot of, a lot of the time she'd do July provision or she could, which is helping kids with disabilities um, either socially or with their education that they might be struggling in particular subjects. Oh, yeah, but or, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be a supplementary income? That would be extra pay, wouldn't it? Yeah, because yeah. she's yeah. a new teacher. She doesn't get paid for her holidays. Like, teachers now coming into the job don't have security straight away they have to be in a school for two years um, before they get any permanency and getting their own hours is very difficult because there is so many teachers okay so they're so they're temporary or they're short-term contracts yeah on much lower wages than i would imagine yeah okay okay and your work then within social care does that take you to schools or to school settings uh, perhaps to to work with students who are having a tough time? Um, we would, well, in my job, we'd work with uh, teenagers in care, so we just link in with schools. Um, like, we'd be making sure that everything's going okay. We'd be always in contact with principals, their teachers, if they were struggling, what we could do, that side of things. And what are the, can you, are you, are you in a position to say what the struggles might be? Generally speaking? Um, not really. I wouldn't really just, I wouldn't comment. Okay, okay. Do you enjoy the work? Love it. Isn't it a lot of burden to bear though, isn't it? Because you end up taking a lot of problems on yourself. Uh, you're trained for that. System coping okay with all of that demand? Um, I'm not really sure. I just kind of 
go in, do my work, do my bit kind of thing. To the best of your ability. Okay, okay. I, I know you're limited in what you can say in that area, so I do appreciate you taking the call. Thanks, Sinead. Appreciate it. Uh, let me get back to more phone lines. Katie, good morning. Sorry, there you are. Katie, what's on your mind? Um, I just wanted to point out, I, I'm a teacher myself as well, and I'm not sure that, you know, this kind of conversation comes up a lot. Um, but I'm not sure that anybody has pointed out that, you know, the the money the teachers are paid. You know, I think a lot of people think that teachers are paid for their summer or paid for their holidays. Um, but, like, it's my only my second year now in nine years teaching that I will be paid during the summer. Um, but... So you had seven years of temporary contracts, is it, or placement and things yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's very difficult to get um, kind of full-time contracts okay, yeah. um, and any permanency. Like, I'm still not permanent, hopefully, this year. <laughs> um, so your, your starting I, pay scale would be quite low now, would it? No, they do move it. So for every 183 three days or something, you get moved up a pay scale. So I am moving up the pay scale because I'm working full years. It's just because of the nature of the contract, I wouldn't be paid during the summer. So if it's like a maternity leave contract that you're covering, let's say, that could end up being the entire year or, or close to it, the way that it works out with subbing as well. Um, but you don't get paid during the summer then. Okay. Are you so, aware of the average primary teacher salary of 59000 and the average secondary teacher salary yeah. of 61500 Anywhere near yeah. that? Or does it take 20 years no. to get up to that? Yeah, no, I'm not near that, and sure, I'm nearly ten years teaching. So, you know, it's it's not. I suppose that to me is it's kind of it seems like an unrealistic figure. Um, I'm not near that, um, and I've worked for quite a, quite a while. I would think, but I suppose the point I wanted to make was. Well, let's let's that, just say that it is accurate. The average gross salary for a yes, secondary but, teacher in Ireland is sixty one and a half thousand euro, yeah. and they have and they have yeah. three months off in the summer. Three weeks at yeah. Christmas, two fortnight at Easter, the midterms, they're entitled yeah. to the bank holidays. Um, so on paper, it, they seem to have it easy. Yeah, well, I suppose, I suppose the nature of the job isn't easy. But I, the point that I really wanted to make was that we're not actually paid for holidays. Like what happened was originally you used to just be paid for a term time, like your salary across term time. But I think that was difficult to budget. So I think what ended up happening was the union's fault for it being spread across the year. So actually what it is, is the wages are your contracted hour wages. They're just spread over the year. So I think a lot of people think, oh, they're paid for doing nothing. Well, no, we're being paid for our contracted hours. It's just spread over the year to make it more manageable uh, in terms of budgeting and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, in general. Oh, so the pay is only for school time, not for holiday time, but it's spread over the 12 months so the teachers can budget better with their money. Yeah, so it's, it, we're not actually paid for holidays. We're paid for whatever hours we're contracted. So whatever secondary school is, 21 point whatever, uh, and primary then 9 to 3, Monday to Friday, whatever term days there are. So, like, you're paid for that. You're not paid for your holidays. It just happens to be spread over the year. Okay, okay. So the notion that teachers get paid for their holidays is false. It's false, yeah, yeah. And I mean, to be honest with you, I do... Uh, a crazy amount of extra hours like every other teacher, I'm sure, because 
I, I suppose I follow primary school hours and we're, we're not given time during the day to do all of our work that's required because we're not given the time to do the paperwork, to do the planning, you know, any of those things, uh, to get resources, any of those things. So, like, all of my planning, resourcing, all of that extra stuff is taken out of my personal time that I'm not paid for. And there's very little other professions, I would think, that would give the same amount of goodwill. All right. And okay. do that. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. I just So people have the wrong end of the stick. Here here's some texts. Oh, the teachers love a good pity party. Another one here. <laughs> I work forty hours a week for eight hundred euro every fortnight. I get twenty two yeah. days annual leave. What are the teachers yeah. talking about? Yeah, and I suppose to me, I'm not, I'm not kind of jumping, I'm not saying that, oh, like we deserve these holidays. But I suppose people have to bear in mind that holidays are structured that way by the department with the children in mind, not with the teachers in mind. So, like, we haven't decided, we haven't said, oh, we want this, we want that, um, you know. Uh, but I just wanted to make the point that, you know, any time this argument comes up, you always hear people saying they're paid for the summer, they're paid for their holidays. We're not. We're paid for our contracted hours. Just happens to be straight across the year. Okay, so that was all right. That I to make. Good point. Thank you, Katie. Teachers aren't paid uh, uh, pay, holiday pay. They're paid a salary for 22 hours a week for 33 weeks. Then the money is divided amongst 52 weeks of the year. This is a texter saying exactly what Katie is saying. Any time after that is unpaid. That's why substitutes aren't paid for the summer. They're only on an hourly rate. Uh, morning, their salary is still 40k plus for such little time. Friends of mine are on 50 grand who have qualified in 2006. Uh, I'm seven years teaching and I'm nowhere near 40,000 euro. God forbid someone works hard in one job for 16 years and ends up earning 50 grand. Yeah, God forbid anybody would criticize that. Imagine being that miserable and actually looking up those figures. Uh, Teachers are seriously overworked as it is with massive class sizes, crap funding and basically rearing your kids day to day for you. But you want the kids in summer, you want the kids in school more and the teachers working even harder. Never mind the constant risk of COVID. Someone like some sounds like someone doesn't want their kids at home if they're criticizing. Uh, That's not even mentioning all the ones that run extracurricular and homework clubs or the amount of marking they do in the evenings and weekends or the planning that goes into lessons. They deserve their bloody holidays. Uh, Remember, kids need a break too. I can always see, I can always see by my children when they're getting a bit burnt out and the midterm refreshes them. I feel for families with kids with additional needs. They need routine, but for my kids, the breaks are an absolute godsend. So all of this started with my kids are currently on Easter holidays, won't be back till the 25th of April. And then in another six weeks, they're off for the summer. Text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Big response. The elephant in the room with teachers is retired teachers with a pension going back to work as substitute teachers and still drawing their pensions. So really, they're their own worst enemies in reality, says Anthony. If you want teachers' holidays, become a teacher. Don't moan about their holidays because you're jealous. If you think they don't deserve the holidays. Try spending that much time with a large group of kids or teenagers. Another text here. They don't 
get too many holidays. Some people treat schools like a babysitting service. Teachers have so much responsibility for your children. And for the most, their day does not finish when the kids do, as they have to get ready for the next day. I know my kids, I know my children were ready for the Easter break as I was. Uh, I, for one, look forward to their time off. I'd love to see these people who think teachers have too much time uh, to spend a week trying to teach all abilities. Maybe these people should have gone down this route if they're not happy with the jobs they have themselves. Mind you, it's much easier for teachers who are off on the Easter, minding their own children at home, because a lot of people whose kids are off at Easter time or in the long summer months have to go to work every day. You're worse for stirring this up at a school break. I'm sick of teacher bashing. As a mum of three kids, for years I had to work out how to manage the holidays with work before I worked in a school setting. But you know what? The kids need holidays too. To swim in the sea, take picnics on the beach, climb trees in the park, spend time with their grandkids, grandparents. Please, uh, let kids be kids. Um, A teacher says, yeah, we do. Holidays are too long. It's a terrible easy job. We get money for jam and it's us that need the holidays. Kids, on the other hand, thrive, don't they? Being in school every day, all day until they're old enough to fend for themselves and get a permanent nine to six job. They should be up the walls every day with homework, I suppose. Keep them quiet in the evenings and loads of activities to burn off all that extra energy. It's a tongue-in-cheek text from a teacher. Think of it as compensation for educating your child and looking after their needs and maybe 30 others on a daily basis. My child only started school in September. Unbelievable how much she can do both education-wise and socially already. Her teacher is fantastic. I know I wouldn't have the patience to do it. I've never known such a bunch of whinging people in my life. They do half the work of most people and moan the most, teachers. Another one, fair play to all teachers. I just think the summer holidays are too long and should be cut to six weeks, then use the other weeks in the winter during the bad weather. Get rid of the homework as kids work hard enough in school uh, with their teachers as it is. Teaching isn't a job, it's a vocation. It requires many skills. Not everyone's cut out to be a teacher, so we should value them. Uh, And then are loads more. 19 weeks off, really? So why do they have to finish at 12 o'clock every break? Halloween, Christmas, midterm, February, Easter, summer. In-service education, it seems, they call it. And then, just one for now, we're back after 10. Teacher bashing as usual. Prendival, you're an awful langer. Back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Okay. Red FM. Keep those texts coming and we'll come back to those and calls with regards to the summer break and the Easter break and general holidays. And uh, be interested to know what people do over the Easter break or indeed what you plan to do across the summer uh, during, you know, school holidays. Uh, with your children, depending on the age, I suppose. A lot of different age-appropriate things you can do. I saw a lovely story, actually, making the papers during the week where they were saying that the Wild Atlantic Way, I suppose very much over COVID uh, and a couple of summers of COVID and what have you, many people explored Ireland. But they have the top 20 trips this summer, which I'll come back to a little later on this morning. So text 0868-104-106. There was a devastating blaze in a family home in Westbury Estate in Wilton uh, on Saturday night. Now, the uh, entire contents in the house itself was totally destroyed. Thankfully, everybody is safe, but very, very sadly, um, some beautiful, beautiful dogs who were home in the t- uh, at the time and also their litter of five pups 
were all died in the blaze. It was a terrible, terrible blaze. All of the family's possessions were, were claimed in the fire. More about that in a few minutes' time. Uh, but this is just sections of uh, Paul Byrne's Virgin Media report regarding that story yesterday. Prized possessions destroyed within minutes and a heartbroken family now left to pick up the pieces. I buried my husband three years ago, so we've lost all our photographs over the years. The kids, they, you know, we had possessions belonged to the kids' father that they lost. Um, a wedding ring that was broke down for the two girls into two necklaces. That's all gone. Everything, everything, absolutely everything. Alone at the time and after lighting a fire in the living room at the family home on Saturday night, Aaron went to check on something in his bedroom. Shortly afterwards, he smelled smoke. Two or three minutes at most. Um, and then the place was just full of smoke, so to just get out as fast as I could, really. As the blaze ripped through the rented property at Westbury Estate in Wilton on the south side of Cork, Aaron then remembered the family's two dogs and five puppies were in an upstairs bedroom at the time. I tried to go back in and see if I could get there, but there was just too much smoke there. Um, I got to the top of the stairs and that was it. The family has paid tribute to crews with Cork City Fire Brigade, who did all they could to save the dogs. Sadly, all seven died from smoke inhalation. At the end of the day, I have all my family. A house can be replaced, but... My family definitely can, so that's the main thing in my mind anyway. I know the dogs were lost, but at the end of the day, I'm happy that I have everyone in my family with me by my side. Cork City Council says it's actively seeking alternative accommodation for the powers who are now staying with friends and family. Well, I'm kind of numb at the moment. No, all I'm worried about is the children, you know. I, I can't even think about myself right now. It's just looking after the kids, you know. The powers say they're extremely grateful to everyone who's helping them to try and rebuild their lives. Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News Cork. Rebuild our lives. I've seen the video footage. Maybe you saw the actual video footage of the interior of the home. It is completely and utterly gutted. The blaze must have been ferocious in heat. It literally burnt every single thing to a crisp. I'll talk with Lisa in a moment. Um, but first up, Aaron. Aaron, good morning. Uh, can you hear me, Aaron? Hello? Yeah, me? there you are. Are you all right, pal? Can, yeah. you, can you hear me okay? I can, yeah. Okay. What what time did this happen? Um, I would say between half nine and half ten. Okay. I wouldn't be able to pinpoint the exact I know, around about half nine, ten. Like you weren't in bed or anything. What um, what happened, do you think? I have no idea. Um, I went into the kitchen about three, two or three minutes beforehand and everything was fine. And then just out of nowhere, the place started filling with smoke all in the space of two or three minutes. Like. Right. Was there? Was it the fire? Was there a fire in the grate lit or something? Um, the fire was lit, but uh, when I was in there just a couple of minutes beforehand, everything seemed okay, so it wasn't like there was kind of rubbish hanging over the side or anything. So yeah, if, like if I had to guess, I would say we just kind of a spark or something flew out. I'm not sure to be honest. Everybody's worst nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But it's a nightmare that came true for you. Were you were you upstairs? I mean, who was in the house? Did somebody smell smoke or something? Um, it was myself and my girlfriend in the house at the time. We were downstairs um, in the sitting room. Um, and on the off chance that my the door happened to be open, um, the smoke started coming in the door. If, if the door wasn't open, I don't think we would have seen it. And it could well have been lo- too late before you were alerted to the fire. Mother of God. So what did you yeah. do next then when you saw the smoke? Um, well, we immediately asked to see what was going on. So I just kind of, I walked out into the hall to see where all the smoke was coming from and just, I kind of took a quick look in the door of the kitchen and there was just thick bat smoke and flames everywhere. So, and it was just about getting myself and my girlfriend out of the house as soon as possible. Okay, so that's what you did. 
But then you yeah. realised um, that the dogs were inside, right? Yeah. Um, so then it was just it didn't even cross my mind about not trying to get to get back in there. You went um, back in again. Yeah. Um, and I tried to get up the stairs to get there. I got as far as the top of the stairs, but the smoke was just too intense and the heat and everything. So I was just kind of had to put myself first in again. You know, I couldn't get there. In time. Yeah, yeah. You were beaten back. What? Yeah. What, it was it absolutely intense, ferocious wall of heat. It was. It was. It was everywhere. From the second I stepped foot back inside the house, like you could just feel the heat. It was. It was crazy. To be honest, I never felt anything like this. Okay. Okay. So. Inside then, thankfully, you got out, your girlfriend got out, the rest of the family weren't there. But your your two dogs and their and their and their pups were there, is that it? Yeah, two dogs and five pups. Okay. So the ambulance arrived? Um it was the fire brigade first. Sorry, pardon me, I should have said the fire brigade arrived and uh they went in, was it? Yeah. Um they asked a few questions like was anyone inside? Um and they said no, there's nobody inside, but there was dogs upstairs and to be fair to them, immediately straight away they went upstairs to see if they'd get them out. Um, and in the end they got them out, but it was just the case was too little too late, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that they had specialist equipment, some type of respiratory equipment that they use for animals, and they tried to, um, I think they gave the, dog, the dogs and the pups oxygen. That was very upsetting to watch out. I mean, they, str- you know, they struggled hard to try and try and save them. Yeah, they were there for a good few minutes, to be fair. Um, kind of second by second, we were getting updates, really, of uh, they, they found them, they're bringing them down, they're, they're trying to do what they can to see if they can resuscitate them, but it was kind of too late, too late, then again, really, you know. They did their best. They really did their yeah. best. It's so sad, isn't it? It's fortunate, dogs. It is. It is. I have your mum as well. Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What a nightmare. I mean, it's your oh, whole... I have no idea. Look, I know it's all no of your idea. possessions, all of your mementos, everything of, you know, to do with your lives, but at least everybody's, it's some consolation, everybody's safe. Yeah, I do have, I still have a lot to be thankful for, you know. I mean, it could have been ten times worse. You know, I could I could be organising a funeral for <sighs> more than one of my kids, you know, or, or they could be organising mine. So it's two sons, two daughters, isn't it? That's right, yeah. yeah. That's so right. it could have been two sons, two daughters, a girlfriend and a mother. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've never seen such ferocious devastation to the interior of a house. It like was that. just incredible. I cannot comprehend in the space of 15 minutes how the house just went up in absolute flames. Yeah. It was just so, so fast. yeah. yeah. It's like everything it's like so, is everything so is charred and burned to a back black crisp. Everything, everything. It's terrifying. Yeah. How, how did you how did you hear about it? Um, I had gone to my my best friend. Her daughter was twenty one, and I had gone to the twenty first, and I had gone out late. Really, you know. I mean, it was it was half nine by the time I was leaving the house. Um. And I had my 18-year-old daughter, she came with me. And my 16-year-old daughter, she was going to Tesco's. So I had got a taxi over and I had dropped Sophie at Tesco's. Tesco's is literally, you could throw a stone at Tesco's from my house, you know, so mm. just two seconds. Mm. And the 21st was in Flannery. So it, it took me le- less than five minutes to leave the house to get to Flannery's. Um, 
I had just gone in. I had just gone to the bar. I, I had just sat down and Sophie had rang. She had just gone in, got a couple of bits and she had walked out from Tesco's and as she was getting halfway down the road, she could see the smoke. Um, and when she got to the top of the road, she could, the fire brigade had, was there and all by the time Sophie had got, had got back, you know. Um, it, to be fair, they were so, so quick. I know, but so, she must have nearly collapsed when she realised it was her home. She did. She rang me. She was screaming. She rang me. Um, and I, I was upstairs and it, it, with the noise I couldn't hear her and I was saying, what is she screaming at me for? So I kind of came down the stairs and went back, I went outside the door and I rang her back and I was like, what's the matter? Um, and she was like, the house is on fire, the house is on fire, the dogs were inside. So I, t- I took my heels off downstairs in Flannery's and ran up the what's stairs. That, what was that run like? What was going through your head? I, I can't remember. Well, you knew that your son was there, didn't you? At least. His, I did. At least I one did. of them. I did. I did. Um, I... I I can't. I cannot remember those few minutes. You ran barefoot home. Uh, no, my friend. Luckily, my friend. Uh, she had. She had her car. She wasn't. She doesn't right. drink. So, yeah. um, she was able to drive me straight there because it, you know if I had to wait for a taxi on a Saturday night at that hour, I would have ran home. Oh, that must have been a shock. I had no choice but to run home. Yeah, you know? know. Oh, know. it was just just incredible. I mean, it was it was twenty minutes. I was gone out of the house 20 minutes. And in, in the space of 20 minutes, everything, every single solitary thing. I, I didn't even have a sh- shoes on my feet. And of course, all of your clothing, all of your furniture, everything, everything to do, but more everything. importantly, all of your life story, all of your mementos, all yeah. of the things that were precious to you, uh, your, all of yeah. the things, inv- I mean, you had irreplaceable mementos of your late husband, the lad's late dad who... He died in That's 2018, right, yeah. wasn't it? All lost. That's right, yeah. All everything. Lost. Yeah. Clothes, everything. uniforms, school books, everything. Everything. Well, where I have you? to say, uh, yeah. St. Al's School has just been absolutely outstanding. I know. But it must have come as a, as a relief to you to realise that everybody got out. Absolutely. Considering that absolutely. Aaron went back well, in to try and get the dogs. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, it's hysterical. Um, because the dogs, like the dogs, were my babies, you know. Like I, I had, I had the puppies in my room because, um, because she would always be so used to being close to me. Yeah. So I had moved the puppies in my room because she kept trying to when they were downstairs in the crate, she kept trying to move them and bring them upstairs. So I said, look, just work with her, you know, because they were so young; they were only three weeks old. The puppies were. Yeah. Um, and I had them. I had the crate in my room with the with the pups in it. Oh, terrible. Isn't it lucky you know that isn't it lucky that Aaron though smelt the smoke or noticed it? You know, it could be oh, absolutely so absolutely. much worse. You know, you know, I do have so much to be thankful for because I do have my kids. You know, I know a lot of people are haven't been that lucky. You know, I know, I know. When you saw, I saw the interior of the house, mother of God, and where, like, because where are you all living now? Uh, we're kind of all over the place, you know. Um, most of us are in my mom's house, but my mom, my mom's got a three-bedroom house, and my sister's there with her two kids as well. Um, so, like, there's really only one spare single bed, you know. Um, and we we have blow-up mattresses, you know. But my my niece has um, osteo uh, an osteo illness that if she she's broke her leg twice in the last year, she's only four. Um, so, like, we have to be so conscious of her. Yeah. I as know. well having so much you know having things around I know she'll like feel as if you're imposing like that, you know? and stuff I know absolutely yeah. 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 absolutely I mean my mum's house is a small house I know. to begin with you know 
Yeah. Is there no emergency accommodation provided in circumstances like this by, by say, council or no. anything? No? Um, I, I was in the council the other day. You know, the, the homeless, the homeless, um, they're, 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 the services are on their knees, you know. They are, I mean, I'm not the only person that doesn't have a roof over my head either, you know. Well, it's good of you to say that. It's good of you to say that, to acknowledge other people's struggles. Incidentally, course, could you imagine course. if the fire brigade hadn't got it under control, all of the other houses, because they were adjoining ho- homes well, this to is it. No, they are, and the house next door, um, there was a, a girl after moving in, and she had a young child, and I, I was afraid that, I was trying to knock on the door, but everybody was holding me back, you know, I was saying, that, that girl, that girl, she has a small child, because the, the, the neighbours on the other side were outside, so I knew they were okay, Um and we were trying to knock on the door. Somebody else was trying to knock on the door and there was no answer. And the lock of God, she had gone out as well and she wasn't inside. But there's significant damage done to the house next door oh, as well. Oh, no. I know, I know. Which is a rented property, you know? I know. Because the terrace of houses like your one is, it is. absolutely it is. gutted. What are you going to... I mean, have the community been good? Your neighbours been good? Fantastic. Yeah. My family is amazing. Aaron? Yes. You lost you lost everything, didn't you? You lost everything. Yourself. Everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. All your clothes, all your all your tech, all your electronics, all of your Yeah, everything, basically. But thankfully everybody's safe at least. Yeah, that's the main thing. Sure. Okay. Everything else can be replaced. I know, I know. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Everything else can be replaced. Yeah. But I mean, this is fine short term, but long term is a totally different scenario, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, you know, I do understand that the council are doing everything that they can. You know, I mean, it's not as easy to just pick a house out of the sky either. You know, or pick anything out of the sky, especially now. Yeah, I know you're right. You know, in, you're right services, in that regard. The services are so so tight as it is. But how are you f- fixed for clothing and footwear and you know n- necessities? <laughs> we have we have a basics. We have literally basics. Um, you know, we had to go out and we had to get, go to pennies and, and, and get underwear and get, you know, necessities, like, you know, for, for, for the five of us, you know. It had to be done. Yeah, I can't help think of all of, you know, thank God everybody is safe, I understand that, and, and furniture is furniture, but, you know, photographs and mementos and important things and personal things and perhaps jewellery and issues like that. All irreplaceable, aren't they? Oh, they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's not even, it's not for me, you know. It's it's for the kids. Yeah, I know. I know. It's tragic, but thankfully, as I say, very sad about the poor old dogs, isn't it? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm heartbroken. Yeah. Heartbroken. Okay. Okay. I know that there's a GoFundMe set up. It's um, family home destroyed in house fire, and it, was that your mum set that up? I think Lisa did. Yeah, Carol? my mum set that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's tipping away nicely, isn't it? About seven and a half grand. God knows. Thank God. God knows Thank you'll God. you'll spend all of that very quickly on necessities and just trying to put another roof over your head. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's five of us. It's not it's not like I I we have a small family or anything, you yeah. know. Yeah. And they're and they're they're grown. We're five adults, really. Like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The youngest is sixteen. Like you know. I know. You sound worn out to me, Lisa. <laughs> exhausted. Yeah, worn out. Yeah, I'm trying.
trying to look at the positive of this. At least you're all alive and safe, you know. And, exactly, you know. exactly. As I said, I do, I do have so much to be thankful I for. Know, I know, I know. Listen, thank you both for coming on air. It's not the easiest conversation in the world for you, so thank you. Do stay in touch if there's anything people can do to help, okay? Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Cheers, Aaron. Cheers, Lisa. Take care to all of you. So go fund me. It's uh, Family Home Destroyed in House Fire. Should you wish to get involved in helping them to rebuild their lives. Uh, that fundraiser is set up by Lisa's mom, Carol, who's looking after them as best they can in the short term. But of course, there has to be a long term solution for them. But if you see the vo- video footage, you know, it's, it's just amazing that we're not talking about something entirely different. We were talking about uh, loss of life on Saturday night. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Yeah, here's this text that really sums it up. Uh, heartbreaking for that family donation made already. Well done to you. It's great for people to be able to help when they're in a position to do so. Uh, with regards to holidays, at the moment it's uh, Easter and then we'll be back for, at least not me, but the schools will be back for uh, five or six weeks and then the long summer break. Ah, you're ever pushing this narrative, Prendival. Shows how little you know or care to know about what teachers actually do. All the people complaining should go and do what teachers do, even just for one week. See how your opinions will change. One or two more. I don't know if they are that well paid. A lot of teachers, I'd say, would struggle to get a mortgage for a 300,000 euro house unless they've been saving a long time. At least in Cork, that's what they are. Uh, 300,000. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them even had to work during the summer to supplement their income. Uh, Moaning, people are moaning because you want the same holidays or because you can't bear the thought of having your kids at home for a fortnight. Uh, They're barely turning up for class since the school's opened lately. My kids spend more time in free classes than they ever did before. So thank you for those. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Um, I've been asking people over the last week or 10 days to send in their census time capsules. Big response to that. And if you've taken photographs of them you'd like to share and uh, have me read them out on air, then you can always uh, just WhatsApp them to me. WhatsApp 0868104106. And here's a census time capsule uh, from a 15-year-old. This would be read in 100 years' time. I'm writing this as a 15-year-old girl, and I'm going to talk about the corruption and wrongdoings I face today. Uh, I'm in the middle of doing my junior cert, something I hope will be re-evaluated in the future. The future is a concept I fear for Ireland due to our government's circumstances, our attitude and future generations' attitude towards important situations and politics. In the ongoing issues that have developed over the past couple of years, I reckon you will be learning about this in a hundred years' time and hopefully learning about the injustices that we face today from our houses being given to outsiders to our politicians and government favouring anyone but our own citizens. Our own citizens should be a priority and should come first before helping others and giving people refuge. I hope we learn to pick the right people to speak our voices in the future rather than people who will do anything to please the rich and the well-off. Don't neglect the children of our government. No, don't neglect uh, our children um, because our government... In our, the eyes of our government, we go unnoticed. That's an interesting perspective from a 15-year-old with regards to migration, immigration and refugees, isn't it? Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. So get back to a load of texts and emails and calls between now and midday. But uh, Julie, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm sorry for holding you as long as I did. Appreciate it. Now, um, just picking up on, is it yesterday's conversation with regards to school placements, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I think we're listening to a man. He was speaking about... John Son, who's a wonderful, wonderful young man, um, won't, if things don't change, won't have a place for secondary school in September. Yeah, it's 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 heart-wrenching to listen to it, Neil. Um, I have four children myself. Um, my second youngest girl, who's 14, um, is autistic. And she goes to school in Skull Bar in Coffin. Well, with John, it was Down syndrome. Very mild, very, very mild general learning disability. Um, but can't go into, even with a very mild disability, can't go into mainstream secondary school. That was the, the crux of his conversation yesterday. Yeah, it's very disheartening. It's like he's caught between, he's slipping between the cracks. There is no place there, which is is wrong and like I am I am very lucky to have my daughter where she is and it's literally a lottery process Neil which is wrong no no child should have to go did, through a lottery process did, did you get the lottery did you get drawn out in a lottery or your daughter did for Bernadette yes I did yes I did Neil I'm extremely extremely lucky and extremely grateful um, like I said she's in second year now and like within the first six to eight months of her going to Skullbar, the amount that she had come on, like in every aspect of I her life. I am delighted for that, but it disturbs me that parents have to depend on their child's education by lottery or by draw. Yeah, it's but this this is down to the government. Like it just once again, it just goes to show kids with special needs are forgotten. They're they're always last on the list. Imagine imagine putting that down and imagine putting that down in a census and they read that in a hundred years time that our children with special needs got how got school places uh, uh, in a draw. Literally, like it's like it's like us doing the lotto, Neil. Yeah. Literally, what are the chances of us winning it? Why should any parents be put into a situation like that just to get a basic need? of education for their special needs child. I mean, like, we had to go private in the end. Um, like, Casey was in a in a, in a a special needs pri- uh, primary school. She was in St. Killian's. I don't know if you've heard of it I do not. know it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was there from literally, from when she started school. And um, that's the only kind of thing really that helped us as well. Did you ever meet with any parents who also had children in the same draw as you and weren't successful? Yeah, I met two other parents and it was devastating wasn't the the words, Neil, because it left them completely nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Whatever became of their child, do you know? um, As far as I know, no, I'm not 100% sure, but I think one of the children went on to um, a mainstream secondary school. Yeah. But they just got the bare amount of the SNAOs in the week. And even that that, needed, that child needed a lot more and to this day needs a lot more than... But wouldn't others then have to resort to homeschooling? I don't know what they would do. Um, honestly, Neil, I, I've been lucky. Thank God, my daughter, we have been so, so lucky. You were lucky um, because you won in a lottery. You were lucky, that's all. Literally, but it's ridiculous, though, Neil, isn't it? When you think of it in this yeah, day and age. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I was keen to like, talk to someone whose child's education was dictated by a lottery, so thank you for calling. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it is ridiculous, Neil. Like, and even transitioning from primary school to secondary school, you have to get a new report um, 
it kind of basically a psychological report, but academically as well, just to see where the child has come from in the yeah, past. Yeah, the years. difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the difference of a And if we had to stay on the public list for our daughter to be assessed, we'd, we'd actually still be on this list, Neil, right? No, most so parents now get a private assessment to speed up the process or at least keep it on track. They have to get it private. It's the, it is. It's the only, the only way, way yeah. Neil, to get it done. And like that time, I think, cost us, I think, the bones of 700 euro, Neil, yeah. just for literally a sheet of paper with a signature at the end of it, which is just a money racket because the public services there are supposed to be there to help you, but then all, you're backed into a corner. You have no choice, Neil, but to pay privately okay. to get... Because if you don't, that you're going to lose that place. You're going to lose your... Your child's going to lose their place. Well, they are, because so, you're going to be waiting for a public assessment and you won't get any it, list uh, place on that without an assessment. So you have to get a private. It's, yeah. it's And it, it's a vicious circle, uh, circle, Neil. It goes around and around. But like I would say, like with Skullborough, I cannot say enough positive things about that school, Neil. I mean, the change of my daughter and the big thing... The big thing myself and my husband agree on is life skills, life skills, life skills. Oh, gotcha. And you'll only get that by interacting and going out in the morning and meeting with others and being in a class setting and having pals there and, you know, working absolutely, with the teacher. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And like there are no, like my daughter does everything. It's from cooking to days oatmeal. It's brilliant what they do. And they're all simple things that we take for granted, things that we do every day. She's weekend. excited about those things, yeah. She's, oh, she's she literally, she loves schooling, and I really mean that. She's she's listening there now to me, and she does. And I mean, she loves going because it's a nice, relaxed atmosphere, and they don't pressurise the child. They walk with the child and what the abilities that they have. And like so, the, so the message, the message, I know, but the message then for others who are struggling and worrying is, in your text, you said, become a thorn in the side of the system. Become an absolute thorn. At one stage, I was ringing so much, Neil. The, the minute they answered the phone, they were, they were. I got, I got the vibe. Oh Jesus, no, Not this again. one again. Yeah. But you have to make yourself known because at the end of the day, all you are is a number on a sheet of paper. But if you don't get your voice out there and be heard no one's going to listen to you, Neil. Okay, thanks for that. Appreciate taking the call. Thank you, Julie. Regards to you and all of the family. Her, on housing or lack of it, uh, I heard this story as well, actually. Um, heard from a reliable source that people in hotel rooms now waiting to be housed are being moved out of the hotels so that Ukrainians can move in. I would love if you could look into this and other disgrace from our government. We got a call about that yesterday, actually, from a gentleman who was saying exactly the same about one particular uh, hotel so uh, I'm waiting on a response back from those. It was a very straightforward question in the sense that um, are you are you housing refugees? Yes or no? And the second question being, if you are housing refugees, have anybody been asked to move out of the rooms so that refugees can move in? That's as much as I can tell you. I'm waiting on a response. Uh, the top 1% of public servants who are on salaries above 150,000 will get wage increases in July of 10 to 15%. This is another example of lawless Ireland. Don't give out my details, but look up climate change agenda. Uh, this has all been planned. Uh, what's all been planned? They want us eating insect-based food or lab-grown meat. Animal farming is seen as one of the biggest contributors to climate change, and they want rid of it. They don't want anyone traveling freely. They want to get rid of countryside living. Mega cities are the future. 
Uh, it's a load of trash. We are seeing what we what we're seeing is years of brainwashing starting in our schools, our college colleges and brainwashing by media. We've been conditioned to hate our own existence. It's nothing but fear mongering by virtue signalers. <laughs> no idea what a virtue signaler is. Perhaps somebody will tell me. You are right, though, about animal farming being the biggest contributor to climate change and global warming. What comes out of the back end of a cow? Michal Martin was never voted in. He only got in on the sixth count. I wonder why the government can't do something like, for example, house 10 Ukrainian families and house 10 Irish families. I also agree with you. Why should the utility companies need to make so much profit? Um, another one or two. The main cause of flooding is building housing estates in low-lying ground and land that flooded over the years. Regarding the housing of refugees in Cork, uh, Mount Mellory Abbey, the Franciscan Friaries, Spike Island, the Naval Depot and Hall Bolan and Collins Barracks combined would house 600 people. They are all empty and are all properly equipped to house large numbers of people. Definitely the churches could be doing more as well. And some lovely texts then with regards to uh, famous Irish people. I mentioned Monsignor Hugh O'Flaherty. I mentioned this, the Schindler story. And I mentioned Sister Kate McCarthy. Um, who was captured and put in a concentration camp by the Nazis. She was from Cork. Um, and while she was there, she uh, ended up working, making parachutes for the German Luftwaffe. But she made faulty parachutes. She made parachutes that wouldn't open. Anthony says she was an amazing lady who, when caught by the Nazis, spent a whole year in solitary confinement. But th- that did not break her spirit. Thank you for those texts. We're back after the break. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. All right, back to texts and emails throughout the course of the morning. Does anybody know what the Duff Duffs are? Hands up if you know what the Duff Duffs are. These are the Duff Duffs. <laughs> the, the Duff Duffs of this. Oh my God, back in the day. I would go without food rather than miss an episode of EastEnders back in the day. And I was watching it there on Monday night because I knew what was coming up. The appearance of a wonderful cork man behind the bar of the Prince Albert Bar. And that is Cross Barry Man, Aidan O'Callaghan. Aidan, good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you getting on? How does it make you for having me on the show? Not at all, pal. Thanks for squeezing me in your busy, famous life. What do you make of listening to the SIG again now? Oh, I must say, I must say, I won't get used to listening to that uh, duck duck. (laughs) (laughs) What what an incredible story. I say all the family were glued to it Monday night, were they? Oh, yeah, we were watching it in a pub and um, it was hilarious because... Yeah, everyone was like, "Why they're getting very rowdy about listening to uh, EastEnders?" There. <laughs> Where were you watching it? Where was this? It, we, we just in a pub nearby the studio. Uh, so my family flew over. Oh, they uh, flew uh, over for the appearance. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> they're massive fans. So yeah, <laughs> and then the people in the pub were like, "Hold on, I recognise him there. He's on the TV." <laughs> what? I mean, what does it feel like? Uh, it's a bit mad to be honest. I'm here on set now, and it's, I'm still like every day. I'm like, "Whoa." This this is a bit surreal, so I'm here a few months now, but I'm still, every day, you know, I'm just sitting in the green room with the Mitchells and stuff <laughs> like that. And every day I'm still like, you know, like I'm myself down. <laughs> You're pinching yourself, is this really happening? I'm working on yeah, these yeah. I mean, I've been on 
Netflix and Sky and stuff, but this is a whole new level because it's just a massive fan since we were younger. Yeah. I know. I mean, the character of Lewis Butler, you kind of stick your oar in where it's not welcome kind of stuff, don't you? Yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant character, so confident, um, really good fun, you know. Yeah. Definitely going to be causing a bit of a uh, bit of drama for sure. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's what you like as an actor. Absolutely, but were you nervous? Um, not necessarily from an actor point of view, I guess, because I've done stuff before. You've done so much, with... yeah, yeah. Maybe it comes naturally <laughs> eventually. But I, I definitely was. I remember the first scene I filmed, which is a, a, um, in the cafe, but they didn't actually use it in the end. But I remember dropping my phone, and they were like can we get another phone? Because I was just like in the cafe and I was like, it's just so weird to be here because as a kid, you just watch it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> What's the backstory though? Because you went to Hamilton High, didn't you? Then did you did yeah. you do drama there or in college or what? So I went to Bandon School, yeah, Hammies, and then I, um, yeah, I just did uh, acting uh, kind of evening school in Cork, in uh, Canada. Cork oh, Canada, with uh, Catherine Mann Buckley. Yes. They must be very um, proud of you. Yeah, and um, I, we, I did a, a play when I was in primary school, Joseph and his multicolored coat. And um, yeah, we didn't do we didn't do panto together through Cader, Anthony. No, you weren't a small. No, one. no. Huh? Uh, do you know what? I think I actually was on one of the side. I was one of the people on the side chorus. I think for <laughs> for one of the shows. Which actually. one? Which show was it? We may have we may have worked together. <laughs> You'll probably find a clip of it where I'm coming on late or something. I remember being told. Aiden, you've got about five accents to do and you're getting it wrong. You need to walk on when this happens. And then I'm like doing a couple of accents and I walk off. Oh my God, it might have been little, little it might have been Red Riding Hood or something or Cinderella or Jack and the Beanstalk. I think, was, I think it was Cinderella, yeah, when I was about 16 or something. Yeah, you might have been one of those yeah. pesky kids always getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember being told, you need to just get on your mark, you know, and I kept missing it, so... But that's yeah. where the, that's where the seed was planted. What happened next? So then I went to Trinity, studied pharmacy, um, and then I started working over here as a pharmacist, and then started just doing extra work. Um, and then I was like, "Oh, I really like this," and then just um, kept up training, and then yeah, just uh, happened from there. Yeah, I've been working in hospitals and pharmacies over here for the last uh, ten years. So is that all? Is the pharmacy in the past now? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the thing with pharmacies, you can dock them and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can't give too much away about uh, the storyline. No, and we uh, actually yeah, asked the BBC stuff, about that and they won't give anything away <laughs> about what's happening with your character either. I'm pretty sure they're listening as well, yeah, so don't get me into trouble. I know I won't, I promise. It's like signing the official Secrets Act. I get that. So you did Sky Drama and then you did Netflix stuff and everything, didn't you? Yeah, I tell you what, it was funny though. I remember saying uh, to my parents, I was like, oh, I'm going to be on The Witcher on Netflix. And it was kind of like, oh, that's great. And then when I told them about uh, EastEnders, it was like, hold on, shut the door. (laughs) Were they they kind of saying up until that, I wish Aidan would get a real job, is it? But I wish Aidan would stick to pharmacy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure my parents are listening as well. So we'll we'll chat about that another time because they're not listening. Oh my God. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, because it's a tough gig, isn't it? The work of an actor. You literally are waiting and hoping for the next job offer. How did how did EastEnders come about? Is it through an agent? Yeah, so what happens is um, you have an agent and they put you forward for roles um, with your headshot versus, and then the casting team would see like thousands of headshots. They narrow it down in all the rounds. So 
So I think I had about three or about four different rounds. So you do an audition and then like screen tests and uh, record more scenes and then they come on Skype or you come into person. Uh, and yeah, so I just kept squeezing through to the next round and then, um, yeah, I just landed myself and I'm there in Albert Square and yeah, it's, it's a bit mad, yeah. Am I holding up filming now, I am? What's that? Please tell me I'm holding up the filming of EastEnders right now, am I? I don't, I Please don't see me. anyone here. So. Please tell me all of the actors are waiting for you If to you finish. ask me any questions, I'll just pretend there's someone here and I'll do a fake knock on the band ah. that I'm not allowed to answer. <laughs> just bear with me. Here's a clip from Aiden and EastEnders from Monday night. So, these photos, it's a shoot for a diversity campaign. I'm a police officer. Really? This is my husband, Callum. I can see where his handcuffs in your house. Another round? Yeah. Oh, then. Do you think you're going to do it? Then? I don't know. I mean, the police don't need more diversity, but being the gay face of the mayor, I don't know if I want all that attention. You regret it if you don't. Does your advice come free, or do you charge extra for that? <laughs> I'm just saying we need people like Callum representing out and proud. And not all attention is bad attention. You want to see my DMs? <laughs> We do know that people working behind a bar in a cafe are supposed to keep their mouths shut. <laughs> oh no, I've, I've grown up in a bar, so uh, I'm well used to the, the carry-ons. <laughs> so now we know that people working in bars and cafes are listening to everybody's conversations. <laughs> oh, so there's nothing kept secret here in, uh, in Walford. Oh, I can well imagine. Are they all very proud of you back Cross Barry Way? Are you coming home? Have you been home? What's the summer plans? Um, yeah, I'm trying to get home now when I can, um, but with your filming schedule, like I've been filming the last three months now, so I haven't managed to get back yet. Um, so yeah, as soon as I find a little gap in the filming schedule, I'll be back for sure. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about that as well. Um, but yeah, there's, it was, I'll uh, see how uh, everyone's tuning in back home. Oh, absolutely. You'll be, you'll be, I suppose you're hanging out with Graham Norton at this stage now, are you? Oh, <laughs> to, to West Cork boys doing well. I don't know. Did he go to Hamilton High as well? Um, I'm. I think he went to. Um, I'm not Band sure. Band and Grammar. I think he went to. Didn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll ask him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> ask him over a Graham Norton gin, maybe. Yeah, I'll ask him when I'm in the red chair. Sure. <laughs> I bet you will be a guest. I bet you will be. <laughs> Listen, it's great to catch up with you. I won't keep you any longer because I know you've got a busy morning, but I'm just delighted for you and we're all very proud. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Neil. It's so lovely chatting to you. You too, pal. Take care, Aidan. All the best. Yeah. Cheers. Bye-bye. Check him out yourself, Aidan O'Callaghan, on EastEnders. It gives me a chance to play the Duff Duffs again. <laughs> Almost 11 o'clock with Multitrip.com. Get ready for new adventures with Ireland's favourite travel insurance provider, Multitrip.com. You look tired. Yeah, Owen's eczema is really bad. Sounds like you need dum 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 double base. Double what? Double base emollient gel. It works quickly to soften, moisturise and protect my little girl's dry skin. Nothing looks, feels or performs quite like it for childhood eczema. That sounds dum 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 perfect. Ask for double base emollient gel in your local pharmacy. Always read the label. Dinner's ready, Check out our new low-calorie options from as little as 425 calories per meal. Phone 056-776-9890 or log on to dinnersready.ie. We deliver nationwide. Woohoo! Whoa! That anti-gravity slide is unbelievable, Marion! <laughs> 
You know what else is unbelievable? Fake tan? No, that 90% of money spent on the National Lottery goes back into the community. <laughs> yeah, right. It does. Most of it goes into prizes, of course. Good causes get a big chunk, and there's all the shopkeepers, too. 90%. That is unbelievable. But true. The National Lottery. Support responsibly. 90% based on most recent audited accounts. Sun soak for less. This summer with Tui. Savings on holidays during May from Cork Airport. Holiday sorted. Tui. Live happy. David Gray. Live in Cork. White Ladder. The 20th anniversary tour. A once-in-a-lifetime evening performing White Ladder in its entirety and greatest hits. Saturday, June 18th at Musgrave Park, Cork. Subjects of license. With special guest David Keenan. Tickets from 49.90. On sale now. Additional charges may apply. For Ireland's best selection of used cars, call to Finbar Galvin Bandon. Proud patrolling partners of Cork's Red FM. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. I know, I just know Red myself. FM. I just know myself. I know I've said it before, but I can't stress the importance of if at all possible, get your children involved in the performing arts, whether it's with the great Catherine Mahan Buckley at CADA or with the work that Trevor Ryan and the gang do at Monfort's College of Performing Arts or others. I know Declan Wolf does work as well. Um, and they all do fabulous work. It's a great opportunity to get your children involved in drama and performing arts. Um, like, for instance, here's an example of it. I got an email in from the Monforts and they're opening in the Firkin Crane Theatre today with the production of Aladdin. Now, it'll be the first time in two and a half years that the children will be able to perform to an audience. They might well be nervous, but they're very excited to be back on stage. So that's today. So 13th, 14th, 15th, 19th and 20th of April and a matinee show at 2 o'clock and an evening show at 7 o'clock. It's a fantastic time for them. They're getting to show what they can do. So the Monfords College of Performing Arts doing Aladdin at the Firkin Crane. If you want to go or you'd like to be involved, you can get tickets at the Firkin or online at Firkin, you know, www.firkincrane.ie and good luck with that. Some lovely nostalgia. I was talking to you about a week or ten days ago, but back in the day when our parents would use glass bottles, uh, bring back back to the shop and get a few bob. And there was a time, actually, when if you had glass jars, uh, you could get into the films or the pictures or the cinema. Uh, I don't know if you could get into the Coliseum, the call with jam jars, but you could certainly get into the Lido in Blackpool because there was a shortage of glass after the war, obviously. So it was very interesting. But uh, a lovely text on that. I'm on to you about years ago in relation to bringing glass bottles back to the shop. I remember that all too well. I used to collect all the milk glass bottles in the avenue and return them to the shop and then the money that I got from the shopkeeper I gave it to the neighbours and I'd get a big bag of sweets once a week from them. Happy days. Uh, and that email, that text I read out last week has actually got a lot of other people talking about you know, reminiscing and uh, things that they remember uh, from their youth and I will be returning to that but I also came across some very, very good backstories with regards to Cork slang. You know, general Cork slang. Um, and Seamus actually did a fabulous vox on, on Cork slang. We need to keep it alive and going because the sayings on Leaside must never die out. When you're passing along there and people say, oh, Frank, oh, girl, and all that carry on. I always say, hello, girl, how are you keeping? All right, you know what I mean? And I think there's a really good Cork saying. All right, boy? Just what comes to mind now is um, you're a space, oh, boy. 
You heard it before you did. <laughs> or I will, yeah. I will, yeah. That's I will, like yeah. <laughs> she's a lash. And I'd say, um, in Cavan, we'd be shouting a bit. She's stop gawking at you one. And then my husband, who's from Cork, says, and that means it's different. So that's you know, means you're getting sick in Cork. But we say it actually means your your eyes are on stilts, just pulling them back, you know? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Cork. A great amount of slang words. I may say there's a slang or uh, a very traditional Cork one. But uh, the one that sticks to my mind is when a fella gets a good point, tis me dares, eh? That's my favourite saying. Uh, don't you buy for Donny Buckley. He's in heaven now, and that's why he was always say when we arrived at his house, don't you buy. Oh, there's like decent, fiend, pure, those kind of ones. Those is there. Reeking when you're like disappointed by something. Do you know what I mean now, like? <laughs> that? Do you know what I'm talking about? That's it. I will, yeah. That one is a. I will do it and I won't do it. What's going by? <laughs> How's it going, kid? Uh, decent. Uh, suppose sham. Um, I thought like he was going to He don't more he's, he's a genius. There's a lot. I suppose there's a lot of saying. Like if someone asked, yeah, will you go up there? Or will you go up to the pub and buy me a pint? And you go, I will, yeah. But then anyways, you're not like you know what I mean. I will, yeah. That's one of the most common ones as well. At my age now, it's just normal language. I wouldn't even realize it. It's just. Do you ever get the ump? Do you know what the ump is? It means you, you lost your cool. I mean, that's it's an English expression, but we use it. Have you got the ump? Or have you got the ump? Not like ours. It means two things only, like, and I'm not saying it for nobody. <laughs> What's the story? Um, yeah, Langer. Uh, <laughs> my mum would know of you. Um, how are you, my love? That's a, a nice word. That's Light. All right, like, all right, like. That's kind of big car thing. All right, I will admit. That's it. You have to try this I've always loved the affectionate phrase, my love. I always have. I think it's really, really beautiful. Mar says, I'll do it now in one minute. Which is, which is it like? Is it now or is it in one minute? Would you be well, says Enda. Sarah says, when you start something that will probably cause upset or offence, you start by saying... I'm sorry now, but you're not sorry at all. Not one bit sorry, says she. Uh, Katerina says, I'm telling you now. I will, yeah, keeps coming up by text time and time again. Paul says, I pass the word nodge around the world. It does exactly what it says on the tin. It's a great word, isn't it, Neil? Gis a nodge. Yeah, but what does it mean? Give us a bit? Give us some? Gives the ox off that. I'm sorry now, but or when you're on the phone, car people will say bye 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 bye. Saw a brilliant piece of graffiti this morning in Carey's Lane. It said "Bonjour, boy." Can't you just hear it? Bonjour. Using the word like in every sentence. I'm as guilty as the rest of them. Like Emily says, chalk it down. Nicole says, haunted, haunted. Keep sketch one or two more. Steve says the greatest bit of Cork slang or Cork word. That I always want to hear on the streets of Cork is Echo Sound Boy Machia. I'm from Cork Boy. Oh my god, I got pimples on me pimples. All right, Fiend, I will ya yeah, and one or two more. Um uh, always reminds me the first time I said to Noreen O'Neill, You're haunted. She was looking at me puzzled. She obviously wasn't from Cork now. Uh, give us a lamp off that one and one final one. She's the bop off you. 
She's the bop off you. Keep them coming. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show Alright, a big happy birthday shout out and greeting to our number one fan Bridget O'Sullivan from Middleton She listens every day and her best friend Luke says it would make her day if you would give her a mention on air. Lots of love from her best friend Luke So happy birthday if you're a big day today Bridget. Thanks for listening. Have a great day I hope they spoil you rotten It's talking about nostalgia, the nostalgia earlier on. There's a story making the Times UK today that talks about change of the generations and they're looking at 65 pluses and the days of um, you know uh, pensioners in the world that we live in certainly if we can relate it to uh, to Ireland or where we live uh, the things that are no longer um, popular uh, with the older generation include the following net curtains um, and of course there was always the you know the analogy that there was people you know behind the twitching net curtains looking through the net curtains to see what the neighbours were doing and keeping an eye on things well apparently uh, people of an older age now aren't into net curtains anymore they're more likely to adjust their fashionable blinds to find out what's going on but there's lots more on a study of interior design tastes things that were very popular in the past with the elder generation are no longer true like I mentioned net curtains are one. Um, they also shun and would under no circumstances would be ever found with patterned carpets, right? Uh, flowery wallpaper, avocado bathroom sets. Um, instead, they're going for bold colours, modern art and wet rooms in the lav. Other things that are gone, lace tablecloths, doilies, Who'd ever now put a tea cosy on a teapot anymore? But it was very much done back in the day, but apparently not anymore. Um, the pensioners that were researched on this said that all of those items are just outdated. Uh, even the garden gnome is a thing of the past. Uh, more than half of the people considering them out of date. Uh, what about the child of Prague? Is that still around? Will that always be around? Do you think they put the... What was the story there? You put the child of Prague out in the garden, is it? For good weather or something. I can't recall, but I think it's something like that. But anyway, it goes on. Um, um, the fl- yeah, that's right. And then, of course, the head falls off the child of Bragg and somebody has to super glue it back on. Okay, um, fake flowers. Big thing back in the day. It's fresh flowers all the way now with pensioners, apparently. Grandfather clocks are gone, which is a terrible shame. Don't be throwing them out. They'll be worth an awful lot of money. Uh, China figurines. That's probably a good thing. Awful yokes. Pebble dash walls, gone. Magnolia paint, gone. Fluffy loose covers. That's the single item that most over 65s consider passe. I mean, to begin with, they are awful. But secondly, they're very unhygienic, I would think. Who's, who's the, I mean, what was the reason that people put a fluffy cover on the lid of the toilet seat? Like, like... Who sits on a closed toilet seat lid anyway, and why? Then maybe you're brushing your teeth or having a shave. I haven't a clue. Um, I'd be embarrassed to have one of those fluffy toilet seats, um, or even a peach. Or uh, what was the what was the big col- what was the big color back in the day in in bathrooms? Uh, an awful kind of peachy orange, wasn't it? Um, other ones: toast racks are gone, biscuit tins, um, teapots are ditched. Um, what else? Bathroom bidets are gone. Um, it just goes on and on. They were much more likely now 
a pensioner to want high-tech gadgets around the home like home security systems, remote-controlled heating systems, voice-activated smart speakers are very popular now. Uh, Two in five of the pensioners wanted to install electrical vehicle charging points. I don't know why they'd want to get rid of the biscuit tin, though. I mean, that's such a surprise, isn't it? I guess many, many kids will remember going into the grandparents' house and the biscuit tin being reached for and the lid coming out and the fabulous surprises inside. All gone. All gone. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. So the times they are a change and we were talking about the Google Glass, the smart glasses you can wear yesterday and the older generation now who, and because they have a much more active lifestyle now apparently, the study reflects that as well because it says that an awful lot of those that are getting rid and ripping out, you know, the B-days. I mean, who would have a B-day? What was the point of that? I mean, they were disgusting things, weren't they, having a B-day inside in the bathroom? wipe your water on your arse but anyway I think it was maybe just a kind of a 70s thing a bit like avocado or peach bathrooms or indeed even the, the fluffy the fluffy cover on the toilet seat but now they're more likely to install a home gym um, or yoga practice areas setting aside parts of the house now for lifestyle changes that involve a bit more exercise so text on that text 0868104106 you often see those kind of homes actually when they're going to do refurbs on television shows and you kind of you get a fright when you see the state of them oh incidentally I see uh, that um, bouncers are still up to their old tricks yet another one I can't believe how obnoxious the bouncers in Cork are me and my friend were left outside a nightclub with no cash for a taxi because our friend who was inside was supposed to pay for it we mentioned the stuff that was going on with women at the moment uh, um, on your program or what I mean the bouncer said don't be playing that card with me as if we were making it up it was I was literally crying at the door because we didn't want to walk home and he told us we should have planned the night better and had our own cash my friend then started crying and the two of us were bawling trying to get into our friends inside uh, we told him we just wanted to get in because our friend uh, had our money and we'd leave he told us we couldn't get in because of the age limit even though we were both 20 and our friend inside was 18 we also had a friend in there who was a member of staff um, eventually after about an hour trying to get a taxi we found one who was nice enough to let us revolute him the money no wonder women are walking home alone with the likes of the staff around the bars in Cork people wonder why women try to walk home alone or are forced to walk home alone I now know it's because the likes of the staff working on the doors in Cork, you think people would know better these days. So thank you for that text to 0868 Saw some shocking photographs there earlier in the week of the back garden of a chap's house. You may have heard it. It was a, maybe a six or seven grand job. One of the greatest botch jobs I've ever seen. But it got us, got us asking the question at the time as to, you know, how do you trust the tradesperson who's coming in to do the job? Do you get a person by ad? Do you get it by referral? How many quotes should you get? I was suggesting you should always get two quotes. Somebody said you should get three. He said the first one will be too cheap and it'll be crap. The dear one is just too damn dear. Go for the middle one. They'll do the best job. That kind of thing. But I did mention at one stage that I'd spoke in the past to a company um, on this program who had set up their own business. Um, and uh, they were on with me before. They're called Tradeworks.ie, Tradeworks with a Z. Um, and they set up a few years back where r- tradespeople can register and then you can go online 
and they literally bid for the work. Anyway, just to get the backstory, it'll take all of the the pain and the headache and the worry out of getting your next carpenter or plumber or plasterer or bricklayer or tile or whatever the case may be. Man behind that company is Shane, actually himself and his brother Shane and Kean Gould. Shane, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? All right. So how's it been the last three years? It's been a bit chaotic the last three years. Because you had two years of COVID when very little work was being done anyway. Two years of COVID. So at the start of COVID, we decided we'd open our own premises uh, in Vickers Road in Talker. So we were going to open the showroom for fireplaces, stoves and workshops. And just as we were about to open, COVID came. So we were kind of closed for four and a half, five months just when we opened the door. I know, I know. So that was kind of hard. I know, it's a killer. It's a total killer. But you, you set up the website to encourage people to go if they wanted work done, where they could team up and be matched up with people in the various trades. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason so, behind this was because of the cowboys or the scary stories or the rip-offs or the botch jobs, was it? Yeah, exactly. So basically the website was set up. Um, it was actually my brother's idea. I can't even take credit for it. It was Keen. his idea. Yeah, yeah it was Keen's idea. So when we worked for a family business and like every job we went to it was the same thing. Every customer said, I can't get tradesmen, I can't get I can't get like people that are reliable. Yeah. So the website was set up, um we kinda pushed it towards everyone on it would be certified, everyone on it would be insured, everyone on it is gonna be reputable. So we built it off of that and it kinda just blew up really within the first year we have we had thousands of users, you know, posting jobs. Obviously, COVID came then, everything t- kind of took a back seat. No one was getting work done. Mm. Everyone was kind of afraid to let people into their houses. Yeah, and they actually were prohibited from letting people into the house. There was guards calling around to painters and decorators doing work on the outside of houses. I remember it. Yeah, yeah. But even, even afterwards, people were still kind of hesitant. They would be, uh, yeah, yeah. But in the last few months, things have gone chaotic. Like, there's work everywhere, which is like kind of why the cowboys are getting more work now than they ever did because the qualified fellas don't just they just don't have the time okay. to what's attracting people to the cowboys is it the is it the price the price the price it's, it's just the price like I, I actually done out some bullet points there for you um, while I was waiting yeah go ahead yeah go ahead so if if I was a customer these are the things that I'd look for and then I'd, I'd also have it from a tradesman point of view afterwards if you'd let me speak about that belt away um, so, the first thing anyway, definitely for a customer, get more than one quote. So, I know, I know you said a while ago, someone said to you that you, they should get three. Definitely get three, but like the three quotes you could get, the cheapest, the middle one, and the top price. The cheapest one mightn't be, you know, it might still be a good tradesman, but he's giving you a good price. There's no way, no one really. You'd have to look further into it. So, I asking questions, that's the main one for me. If I go into a job and someone's asking me a lot of questions, I know they're genuine and I know that the job is going to be done properly because they won't expect something at the end that they didn't ask for. Mm. So, you know, when you have everything on paper, nothing can go wrong. You know, in every, in every quote we do out, everything is broken down for the customer, exactly what we'll be doing. So there can be no issue, no issue afterwards with, oh, I thought you were going to do this, mm. I thought you were going to do that. Mm. Um, also, they'll have an idea of exactly what you want. You know, whether it be pictures, show the tradesmen. Tell them what you need. Don't assume that they're going to know because their idea of something might be completely different to what you think. 
the, the next point then was look up their reviews because everyone uses social media now. You know, I know it's, it's, it's hard because there's a lot of people pushing things online and you're saying these, they're paid to push it. But like reviews are the best way. Yeah, can they be genuine reviews though? Are you sure? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, if you go onto Facebook and stuff, you'd know which ones are fake and which ones aren't. Like, and even on Google and stuff, there's no way that a company can doctor them either. Once they're there, they're there forever. Like, you know, if there's a bad review put up about you, you can't get that down. It's but what about there. a cowboy who's a cash merchant who doesn't have an invoice or VAT and only deals in cash? There'll never be any kind of reviews of something no, like that. No, and I, that, that, was, that was my next point I was going to get to. If you pay cash, you have no comeback. No, I will say that a lot of tradesmen will do cash jobs and they'll do the job properly. But for bigger jobs, you should always try to have a paper trail with it because if anything was to go wrong, you're going to be in like, big issues afterwards. Or there's still a proportion of people, though, who are doing jobs for cash and they're doing well, it cheaper well, for you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, there is, without a doubt. Like, you know, yeah. and, and look, if I was to speak from a tradesman perspective, the first thing I would talk about is price. Because the majority of people, when you give them a price, if you're a tradesman and you give them a price, the first thing they're going to say to you is, can you take the vat off? So, like, if you went into the likes of Pennies or Brown Thomas, you got to the till and you, something was 100 euros. You're not going to say to them when, you, when you're at the till, can you take the vat off there for me? I'll pay you cash. You know, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's just people have this thing in their head with tradesmen. Oh, I'll give him cash. He'll knock the vat off. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, they, they don't. You know, also, like, you have to take into consideration. Who the I, I, met, I met with, uh, with uh, tradespeople recently, actually. I was just in conversation with them and I was asking them that point. And they, they would be a reasonably big company and they said they can't take cash. They wouldn't take cash. They, have nowhere no. to, they can't use the cash. They have nowhere to no. hide the cash. What are they no. going to do with it? They can't spend that, it. That, that's exactly it. You know, any, any, kind of, any of the bigger companies, you know, even, even the smaller fellas, if there's no way of hiding cash. Like, you know, once you take cash, People don't understand that you have to account for everything. So, like, for example, if someone offered us cash to do a fireplace, they can offer it all they want, but at the end of the day, I still have to account for the fireplace itself. When I buy it off our supplier, it goes through the books. Yeah, yeah. I can't pay the supplier cash. That's not how it works. Yeah. So, like, people offering cash, it's, it's pointless in this day and age to offer anyone cash, really. Everything has to go through the books. Everything has to be accounted for. Not only that, you'll always have a comeback. So should it be a case that you should always use a registered tradesperson who goes through the books? I would anyway, if it was me. Okay. You know, I know a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people, they look at tradesmen and, you know, I don't know, it's not looking down on them, but it's almost like, in a sense, it actually kind of is. You know, at the end of the day, a tradesman is a skilled professional as well. Yeah. You know, they do a four-year apprenticeship. It's a non-stop learning when you're a tradesman because there's always new systems put in place. There's always new regulations to be followed. Yeah, yeah but you think they have the attitude towards the trades, ah, he'll be grand, he'll, or she'll be grand, they'll take cash. But some yeah. tradespeople will ask for cash or give it as an option, won't they? That's always going to be the way. Not really, to be honest. Ah, uh, right? yeah. No. Uh, yeah. But wait, wait, look, if you, most tradesmen, any company tradesmen are kind of sole trader and stuff, they're not interested in cash. Like, we work with a lot of different trades and the majority of them don't want to deal in cash because they don't want to hustle. You know, you, you still have to account for cash. Yeah, you but know, the, the they money, might have a little some, mix going on, some going through the books and some cash. You know, they might be just... But like, small jobs you now, like if you were asking someone to lay a floor in your house, I mean, there are, those kind of things are always going to be done for cash and there's no way... Of, like, that. those kind of things, grand, most people would. 
push that. They'd like if you were getting a float down in their house, you would offer some cash to do it, mm. and that's that's going to be always the case. But the likes of like the back garden job. That you well, that was a fellow who claimed to be a landscaper. He may well have been a yeah. landscaper, but he certainly didn't know how to pour concrete or to put down slabs no. or do anything. So that that's a serious cowboy working for cash, like. Well, look. Uh, that that kind of job, I definitely wouldn't recommend paying anyone cash to do something like okay, that. It's, okay, it's okay. Okay, so you got quotes. The quotes then aspect of it was uh, you're saying that you should get more than two, perhaps three. What what about what about the fact that I'm hearing as well that some trades are so so busy now that they quote ridiculously high prices for two reasons. One, the the price is so high. The punter will just go away, and if they take the price, they're just so stupid that they should be, you know, taking advantage of anyway with the big yeah. price. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What I will say to you is, there's a lot of tradesmen around that are actively looking for work. If you wait, you'll get a good price. But if you want something done straight away, someone's going to give you a stupid price, and if you take it, they're delighted you're going to take it. But if you don't, they still have to work. But they give so some price- of them give huge pro quotes. And uh, are happy to take it if you're stupid enough to give it to them. My advice there would definitely be to wait. You know, get more quotes and just wait. Don't rush into something. A lot of people, they want it done. No, they can't wait and they just need it straight away. And like if I said to someone, it'll be two months before we get there. A lot of people would wait, but some people, they can't wait. And why are people waiting so long? Because sometimes it can be months and months. I remember, just, remember trying to look, get a new gas fire fitted. You know the ones, the sealed ones with the glass front? Yeah. Five months. The way things are at the moment, it's very busy. You know, when I left school 10 years ago, there was no one doing trades. Everyone was being pushed towards college. Literally everyone. And now there's a shortage of tradesmen. Even trying to get apprentices now is very hard. And look, if I could give advice to any of our listeners with kids in school in their leaving sort push them towards the trade don't push them towards college if they don't want to go to college you're dead right Shane you're dead right you're dead right um, what about those that quote for a job start the job and don't come back or they've got a load of different jobs on and their timekeeping is just atrocious yeah see that's always going to be an issue now again with the climate that we're in there's literally work for if, if you're not busy now you, you have a serious issue like you know there's something wrong if the tradesman's not busy because you can pick and choose jobs now as much as you want. Yeah, but they do. They, yeah. But apparently, I'm hearing they're taking on too many jobs and they're juggling them and they're moving around from job to job yeah. and they're finishing nothing on time. That is happening as well. Yeah, you know that yeah. is happening. Yeah, and it's hard to say. You know what you could what could be done, but look, people are going to keep taking work, and the reason that tradesmen are taking work is because they're afraid that if they don't take it, you know, if if they don't have work down the line, they're after turning down work then. Yeah, because some people just won't wait. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, you know, they're afraid then that, you know, when they have one job done and they go on to the next one, then what's going to happen down the line? You know, if we don't take this job on, a lot of people will take on work and try split their time between a couple of different jobs. But like, at the end of the day, it it is because of the climate that we're in. Everything is so busy. But people are also kind of paranoid of what's going to happen if the prices keep going up. So, like, the price of materials has skyrocketed. They think that you the know? work might dry up, is it? Not that it might dry up. That, you know, you, you can't sustain it for much longer, really, the price of the materials. You know, the price of steel, the price of wood, the price of raw materials is colossal. Yeah, you know? Yeah. A, a sheet of plywood last year 
in it would cost thirty. It's a hundred now. And the same that. sheet of plywood. Yeah, yeah. So like, if, so would that be know, the same then for um, uh, blocks? Would that be the same for? Oh, listen, for instance, paint. Paint. Would that is it all across the board? You know, a lot of a lot of raw materials are coming from you know Russia and you know, but a lot of a lot of what's happening now in the price increases, they actually have nothing to do with what's happening in Russia. But they're watching other people put up their prices, and then they're raising their prices as well. But you that's know, gouging, it, though. It is gouging. That's exactly what it is. But that's what they're doing. You know, you go into places, and they're after putting prices up on things that have, like, you know, that haven't travelled any do. long distances. No, 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 no. Obviously, with Brexit as well, that kind of messed everything up. And right, you know, okay, the price okay. of fuel, insurance, everything has gone up. So should people wait that? No, you wouldn't be encouraging people to wait to get no, jobs I w- I done. Wouldn't enc- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage anyone to wait, but what I would encourage them to do is get more than one quote, be happy with the tradesmen before they let them start the work. And also the main one as well is set up a payment plan. So, like, just, I'll use our company as an example. We take half up front, and then for the remainder of the job, the payments are spread out. So as tradesmen are leaving the job, we're paid in kind of, sections so like after phase one phase two phase three whatever but at the end there's little money left over and it's just you know it's just kind of a small amount at the end i heard someone saying yesterday that uh tradesmen were looking for money up front yeah and and they're co- they're not cowboys they're they've been caught before they've been caught and at, at the end and like, how are they caught if they don't get it up front? at the, ve- at the very end when the jo- only when the job is finished you'll get complaints you won't get complaints throughout the whole job but when it comes to paying, people start looking for flaws. So you could be in a house finished and you might get a phone call or when you're looking for your money, they'll find flaws. So they'll find ways of holding back money. But hang on a second. What, hang on a second. What if they're genuine flaws? Well, if they're genuine flaws, they should be fixed. I'm not saying that. But like, if there are things that, you know, you'd always know. Like... I, so they're just coming up with excuses, is it? Yeah, so they exactly, can try and get yeah, a few bob exactly. off, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're looking for money off, basically. So it, the more you leave at the end, you're kind of leaving yourself open as well. So that's uh, when someone. Yeah, but I don't go into a restaurant. I don't go into a restaurant and pay for my food before I eat it. I don't. I don't go to a dentist and pay the dentist before the work is done. I'm just wondering. Well, you maybe like a payment there, plan is there, probably the way to go. Yeah, a payment plan definitely. But look. Uh, if you go in and you, if, if you're looking for a product, um, anything, even a kitchen or anything like that, they're going to look for money up front because they, you mightn't see the product, but it has to go into production before it gets to your house. They also have to pay for all the materials. Yeah, okay. And they have to pay, you know, the fitter has to be paid to go measure up. Okay, yeah. Uh, they're all kind of costs that you mightn't see it on t- the product until it's in your house, but there's a lot of costs beforehand that have to be taken into consideration, which is why a payment plan is the fairest way of doing it. You know, you, you have to take it. But why then would somebody, why would somebody get an extension put on now when prices have gone up so much? Wouldn't it be better to wait for 12 months? Because they're bound to drop at some stage, aren't they? I don't know. The way we're going now, it just keeps going up and up and up. You know, I know eventually it'll have to fall away, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. So if somebody quoted for a job six months ago that was maybe a 50 grand job, chances that, are that that's... Quote, that quote will be gone. Gone. Three months gone ago was a fifty grand job. Chances are now that it's seventy or eighty. Is it? Maybe. It, like I do know that uh, all the builders providers around the city, they're only holding quotes now for one week. So if I go in and, and I quote for a job, and the customer takes, you know, a couple of weeks to get back to me, I can't honour that quote. The quotes out of date. Builders providers are 
only giving me a week to say yes or no to their quote. So I could go up or I could go down. Okay. There's no okay. way on. Okay. Have we covered have we covered all the advice then that you wanted to give? Um yeah, actually another one as well was, you know, obviously tradesmen are skilled professionals as well and they have to go through apprenticeships. And um, the other day people were saying there's no bodies that you can look up. But there's loads of bodies that people can look up if they're looking for trades. Like if you want an electrician, you, go, you can go onto the recce website. If you're looking for fireplace and stove fitters, you can go onto Offtech. If you're looking for gas, you can go onto Offtech. There's the Construction Federation of Ireland for all builders. And are all builders listed with them? Um, are they? Are I mean, they? Yeah, know, but are they rated of, like? Have they three stars, four star, five star, like a TripAdvisor equivalent? Probably not. Well, to be fair, anyone on these sites are going to be registered Good. and stored. Okay. And they're going to be up to standards. How does it work then in trades work? So if somebody wants a job done, they go on to the website. Do they describe the job, is it? So it's set up. It's actually very easy to use. Um, you just go on and any job in your house. You just go on to the site. Uh, there's a way of posting pictures and uh, you can write kind of what you need done. Yeah. We then have members that are tradesmen that they get a notification on their phone they can log straight onto your job, they can see it, and they can give you, they can either price the job straight away, or they can organise to do a call out, and they can see the job. Right, okay, okay. And how and do I, you every, know that the tradespeople on your site are, are legit every, and do good every, work? Every, everyone on our site is vetted by us. So we haven't let anyone on that's not registered, that's not insured, and... That doesn't do good work. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And they can kind of build up their own ratings on the website as well. So, and who gets charged you know, for all this? Is it the trades pay you or is it the, the punter trade, looking the for trade, the work? So the trades pay us. It's a membership fee. So it's always free for a customer to post gotcha. a job. And do the customers then get people bidding for the work? Different trades people bidding exactly, for the job? Exactly, yeah. Okay. yeah. So it's, it's like a bidding. Uh, they, can, they can get multiple quotes on this. Uh, whatever the trades, without having to leave their house or get someone out to their house, they can get multiple quotes. And that's right across the trades, is it? All right across, every trade, every trade you can think of. Okay, okay. Across the board. Okay, so that's tradeworkswithaz.ie. Play. Okay, well, I pass it on to people um, and let them log on themselves and check it out. It certainly might uh, prevent a few headaches or sleepless nights or nightmare jobs that we've been talking about recently. That's for sure. Definitely. All right, Shane, regards to you and to Kian. Thanks for taking the call. No matter. Thanks, Nate. All the best. Trademarks. T R A D E W R R K Z dot I E. Cork Company. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Some more texts uh, with regards to the length of the Easter holidays and the summer holidays and the midterms and the times that kids are off school. I'm a mom of first year twins. I'm not prepared to comment on teacher salaries or holidays. I'm generally very thankful for the education and the dedicated teachers that my daughters have experienced so far in secondary school. However, I am annoyed with parents who are trying to get rid of their children by sending them to school and the parents want shorter holidays just to get the kids out of the house. I love having my children at home for the holidays. Of course, we have the odd difficult day, but childhood is short and should be enjoyed, says Courtney. Well, I think from the perspective of maybe a two-working house where a man and woman are both working, where the kids are at home and they have to kind of scramble to find out who's going to mind them, what are they going to do for the two weeks or in the entire summer. And think about it then through the eyes, or maybe through the eyes of a single parent 
who's working with children who are home for long holidays. Uh, why is it only women that are ringing in complaining about teaching? And why is it most teachers are women? Just asking. Teachers working very hard, question mark. The people who pay their wages work even harder, you know. Emails at home, weekend work, always on call, even when on holidays. Teachers don't know what hard work is, says Pat. It's funny how the first callers after this teacher issue arose today are teachers on air or linked to education. Why? Maybe because the rest of us are at work. (laughs) A teacher's annual salary is divided over the whole year. Otherwise, teachers would effectively be unpaid over the holiday time and could then claim social welfare. Imagine the phone lines hopping on your show if that was the case. Teachers on welfare for the summer. Okay, keep those coming. There's reams of them. Text 0868104106. I want to go back to something that I touched on last week. And then I had taxi drivers of the weekend sending me photographs of Patrick Street, particularly on a Sunday. There are no traffic wardens around on a Sunday. And apparently it is causing absolute mayhem. It's like... You know, open the stable doors, boy, and a horse's bolt. I was looking at the different photographs that were sent of many, many cars parking in all of the taxi ranks on a Sunday afternoon. Some of the first ones I saw were, one was a Kerry Ridge, another was a Leash Ridge. The third one then was a Wexford Ridge. Now, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of them Cork Ridges. Then another taxi driver sent me another lash of them yesterday. So from Porters all the way down the taxi rank, all full of cars. In fact, there's one photograph of a taxi trying to get in to a taxi rank, but can't because it's full of motor cars. And it looks like a stretch, one of these really funky, snazzy stretch coaches parking in the taxi ranks, taken up like at least two, perhaps three slots. So the taxis can't pull in um, to pick up a fare or wait for a fare. Uh, with all that in mind and lots more besides, Finbar, good morning. Good morning, Tom. It's a nightmare, is it? It's unbelievable, Neil. Um, every Sunday, I mean, it happens every day, but at least during the week, it's it's only for maybe five or ten minutes or a half an hour or something. Yeah. But on a Sunday, then it's like people just know there's no there's no traffic wardens, there's no guards around, and they just fill up the ranks. Okay, and you sent me photographs. You said I I said I'd save you the time and show you what taxi drivers put up with on a Sunday. Yeah, these photographs right, show three of the taxi ranks completely full for the day, uh, fourteen right. vehicles in all of them at any one time. Yeah, and that was in the evening. Actually, Neil, they were even worse. It was even worse earlier on in the morning, uh, like, would say around the 12, 1 o'clock. It was just bananas altogether. And do any of you taxi drivers say anything to the motorists when you see them parking up like that? Well, you see, you, you, you want to avoid confrontation, Neil, because, like, the last thing you want to do is get a box for <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, you know? but would you? I mean, we, I mean, maybe they don't know. Oh, yeah, I, I do in occasions, like, I do in occasions, but it, it's just that... Um, I don't know. Do you know I always use the analogy, Neil? It, it's like if you came out for work this morning, okay? Yeah. And you came, out, you came out the door of your house, you came down the lane, and you hopped into your car. And when the minute you got to the gate of your house, I was blocking your gate. So I'm preventing you from going to work. It's the exact same thing. They're preventing us from earning Do you living. even leave a note on the car or anything, no? Not at all. I, I, I like, probably I just, would. I, if that was happening all of the time, I'd probably leave a note on the windscreen just saying, listen... Give me a break, yeah, they, they, Maybe you don't know. Yeah, yeah but they, they they just don't give it. They just don't care. And you were making a point there about Kerry registrations and Kerry Wexford. Yeah, Kerry yeah. Well, Wexford like, leash. Yeah, but like that's not necessarily people from. That's not necessarily people from that area. Like, I mean, there's a lot of regs around Cork. There's a lot of taxi regs that are Sligo, Mayo. You know, so these. 
True enough. Yeah. No, I just thought you they might have been saying? visitors and mightn't have known. You think people know what they're doing? No, because, I mean, if you, if you looked at the pictures, you'd see that there was a few tradesmen, well-known tradesmen within the city that also were parked in the ranks on the day, you know? Is this all Sunday afternoon, is it? Ah, yeah. I mean, people just know. They don't care. They just know, yeah, that's the situation. They know they're not going to come back to any problem. And they just, you know, it's, it's just unfair. It's, you're taking livelihoods and you're taking our, our, our earnings. Why do, you need the, why do you need the taxi ranks if you're busy? If we're busy, yeah, would you not but be see always? What also the... happens on also happens on a Sunday, and you, you, if you ask a few people to ring in, they'll probably tell you that it, it's impossible to get a taxi on a Sunday. The whole reason being that people aren't interested in coming into, uh, or aren't interested in coming into work because they can't find spaces. So the taxi drivers don't bother coming in at all because they know no, that it's, it's not just worth, it's, not, it's not worth the trouble. Yeah, it's not worth the hassle. Yeah, yeah. And why aren't you the know, wardens I'm, working on Sunday after, on Sundays? No, I, I don't know. I, suppose they, they I heard that the wardens want to work, but that the council won't pay them the proper exactly, Sunday rate. Exactly, the time and a half or double the time or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then people probably are aware that there's no way, and the guards aren't giving out fines for this, are they? No, well, you see, the guards are too busy anyway. They have too much to do as it is. Yeah, but there were traffic cops. There like, were, but know. sure, I'm, I suppose... I don't know. It'd it, make it, a handy few bob, like if a biker cop was up and down Patrick Street. Making well, I mean, even revenue for the country, if if, um, if somebody was there on a the Sunday giving out the tickets, I mean, if you're taking 14 cars parked illegally and they're at, at 40 euros, I mean, that's revenue for the government. I can't understand why there isn't someone there doing it. So this isn't going to end anytime soon, is it? Not at all, not at all. It's the same with people parking in disabled spots. They just don't care. Do you see much of that? All the time, it's terrible. And, and, they, and you figure there. Sometimes people park in disability spots who are disabled, but they don't have a visual disability. You know. Yes, but I see a lot of people parking. Like I used to drive a minibus, and it had um, it was a disabled minibus. But I never parked there when they didn't didn't, didn't have someone in a wheelchair or someone I was hurrying that needed. You know, the the, the, the we'll say the um, yeah. that spot. But I would never. But I see people all the time who are driving wheelchair accessible vehicles, uh, even taxi not not tax taxi drivers. But you see like coach drivers and stuff, and they there are bigger buses, and they they just park because you know, like sorry, the point I'm trying to make is you might have a father and a, we say a father, mother, and a kid, and the kid is at school, but the parents are still using the spot even though the child ah, isn't yeah, there. Yeah, well, I mean that's nonsense, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my father's my father's eighty six years of age, and he won't even let us park when we're, we're carrying him, he won't even let me park in the spot because he's afraid of taking, of taking it for a genuine person yeah, at yeah. 86 years of age and he has to use a walker. So taxi drivers are afraid to say anything because of how people would react to them, is it? Well, I mean, if you take a person who parks in a spot who's taking an income from somebody, then they're not really bothered about anybody else. So they're obviously a person with a bad attitude. So if you come along and you start giving them a bit of flack, they're only going to give it back to you twice as much. How do you know? I think Elvis I think Elvis says it to people, doesn't he? I'm told that anyway. Oh, Elvis. Elvis, uh, Elvis is a mighty man. Yeah. And I say it myself, and there are other drivers that say it themselves, but it's just, on a Sunday, it's just, I don't know, I mean, you need to be there. Most taxi drivers aren't confrontational, and they won't say anything. Yeah. So, but like, you get the odd few, maybe one in ten, that might say something, but those people might necessarily be around at the time when the cars are pulling in.
Yeah, I know. You'd miss him. Yeah, you wouldn't see it. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know what you're saying. Okay. All right. Upwards and onwards. Thanks for the photographs, Swimbar. Thanks for sharing. Not at all. Cheers, Thanks, man. Neil. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're a taxi driver. If you have a comment on this, then do text 0868 106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, talk to Donald in just uh, 60 seconds. People keep sending me their wonderful time capsules that will be read by uh, many people in 2120. But bear in mind, the time capsule that you're filling in would be read by your great-grandchildren, perhaps your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. And that, to me, is an extraordinary thing. And this one, hello from 2022. I'm a lone parent, carer to my profoundly disabled 17-year-old son, who is now palliative. That's so sad. I had to give up my career to care for him and to go on welfare. I didn't want this. In 2022 in Ireland, disability services are very, very poor. There are wait lists years long for basic care, testing, respite, even medical care. Support for carers like me is equally poor. I will be 57 this year. No savings, no pension, a lost career. The government doesn't help us as we need help. So many of us suffer. I hope in 100 years from now, things are far better. Much love. And that's another time capsule from a lone parent with a profoundly disabled son who is now in palliative care. Imagine reading that uh, as grandchildren of that person who wrote that in 100 years' time and how they will feel about it. Anyway, if you have a photograph of your own time capsule and you'd like to share it with me, please do so. You can always WhatsApp your photograph. That's an easy way of doing it. Just WhatsApp 0868104106. Anyway, maybe this will be the last call at this stage. Donald, good morning. Morning. How are you? All right, you're driving taxis since what? 1995, is it? Yeah, there are about. And yeah, back in 1990, long time ago, and back in 1995, Cork City on a Sunday was a ghost town, right? Correct. Now it could be perhaps the second busiest day of the week. It's probably the busiest for private cars parking in 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 public service vehicle areas, and you know. Yeah, but don't you know what well, I'm saying? Everything has changed so much. It's a huge retail and social day now, whereas it was a morgue years ago. Well, absolutely, absolutely. There's an awful lot of people around there now on the Sunday. Uh, too many. Well, there's not too many people. It's grand to see the people come in and spend a few bob if they stick by the rules like everyone else. So why don't they use the public car parks? Uh, because maybe they don't like paying, maybe. It's the first time in all my years that I've seen Parnell Place taxi rank full with private cars. And what happens is... Oh, Parnell Place as well. One, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Listen, I thought you were supposed to come around the town here and have a visit around the town last Sunday or Sunday week. I was hoping to see you, and I'd have taken you around in my car and shown you what's going on. But, beside that, they're, 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 there's no parking attendance on yeah, they want to work, I'm told. They're no problem working, but the council won't pay yeah, them. That's right, that's correct. But they have no problem working when there's a big match on down the park. All right, well, I mean... So, they, so they, who's, paying them, who's paying them for that? I, I don't know, but it, it, like the parking wardens don't pick and choose when they work, you see. They're in, so they, that, would be, that would be decided by city council traffic, wouldn't it? The city council in regards to traffic management in this small city of ours are a joke because you have a double yellow line here all the way along in uh, in the Grand Parade here a double yellow line outside Soho and there's vehicles parked there morning 
noon and night. Now, I think there's an exemption given to vehicles for that, but you wouldn't see that in any other city in the world, I would imagine. Okay, so the problem is not just on Patrick Street, it's also the Grand Parade, South Mall, Parnell Place. Mercy Hospital. Go down to the Mercy Hospital on your way home. There's space there for three cars. There's always private cars there. They come in here to the Grand Parade. They go into Hillbillies. They get their stuff and they eat their lunch in the car. Well, we're trying to get in and all you get is the finger off. So they're eating eating in the taxi lane, in the taxi rank. (laughs) Yeah, in their private cars. On a Sunday? Well, not on a Sunday. More or less on a Tuesday when (laughs) Hillbillies is relatively cheap, you know. Oh, so the two-for-one hillbillies, they'll park up and eat in the taxi ranks on a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And do you they ever... Wait, they going, yeah, go on. Do you ever go in for coffee? Yeah. In the Grand Parade. They go in for coffee, they come out, they park their cars, and the coffee shops are full of people buying coffee, parking their private vehicles in the public in the public transport area, and off they go and get their coffee, in, and they couldn't care less. Some of them come out and they have tickets, and they just, I said, they're so addicted to coffee that they couldn't care less what it cost them, you know. But it's 40 euro for the cup of coffee uh, then, and a fine. I, I, so that's, well, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. But you see them eating their lunch, and for the first time, as I don't to repeat myself, I see them inside in Parnell Place last week, and I could not get in to my workplace. So what do I do then? Go home. Really? And, that, and that's why there's no taxis. You could, you could do a survey on it and ask the general body of drivers out there. How many of them came into town, saw no place to park their taxi on a Sunday, and just say sadness, I'm off. I'm going for a pint. Is, is that because you can't literally just keep cruising around hoping to get a fare, is it? Well, with the price of diesel, yeah. would you be keeping on no, cruising no, no, around? No, I wouldn't. No, no. And do you ever well, that, say anything that. to the people when they come back to their car or when they're getting out of the car? Some do and some don't. I'd be in the latter <laughs> but you get abuse, you get abuse, and you, you just mind your own business and call the guards, and you, know, you get all that kind of stuff. But it's tough, it's tough coming into town to try and get into your work area when there's private cars. Work. And is it because they know that there's no wardens, or is it that they just they don't know that it's a taxi rank? What? I'll give you a typical example of what happened here this morning. There was a taxi, uh, a warden came along and gave. A private car parked in the loading bay, not in a taxi rank, no, outside the market this morning. He gave the one ticket and he proceeded off after doing his job and he wasn't, after walking up as far as the fountain, and there was three private cars pulled in, into the space inside in the loading bay. So people to be watching is. Oh, waiting for him to pass by and then they go in, do their bit of business and they're gone again. Yeah, I, I, asked, uh, I asked for a traffic, I rang the traffic warden's office there some weeks ago and they said that the, all the traffic wardens were up in court. Oh, they have to appear in court in the event of a prosecution or an appeal. They were all up in court. It must have been a big case. So why don't you... Here, here's a text. Easy solution. Get the taxi drivers to photograph all of the offender's vehicle's registration with the time and date stamp on the phone, submit it to the guards or the traffic department, and they can send out a fixed fine notice. It would be done very yeah, cheaply and would be very effective. Yeah, so we'll be doing the guards' jobs and the traffic wardens' jobs on top of our own job, is it? I know what you're saying. There's plenty, there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty of taxi drivers out there and their phones are full of photographs of illegal vehicles parked in taxi rides. What about if Everybody. the taxi... Here's another one. Why don't the taxi drivers get those big 
really strong stickers that say, I parked in a taxi rank, stick it on the windscreen of the car. You know the ones that are impossible to get off? They'll put them on your car yes, in the hospitals. Yes, yes. Stick them on the windscreens. They'll never do it again. Yeah, we have enough to be doing now without doing three other departments' jobs. The city is small enough for this to be management or to be managed by the people that are running City Hall over there. And if they're not capable of doing their job, leave them suffer the consequences. That's why the people can't get taxis. All right, Donald, thanks for taking the call. We'll leave it at that. Our lines will stay open. You can get involved in that conversation and any other. Text 0868104106. You can always email your story to neil at redfm.ie. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.